Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to blacktalkradionetwork.com, helping you filter through the noise. Real talk, black talk. The internet is full of half-truths and all-out lies. We've all seen them, and many people on social media complaining about it. Here's your chance to show and prove. WorldAfropedia.com is a black-owned and operated encyclopedia. There are several thousand articles, but we need help. We can't uncover all the truth ourselves. So please, join us and become a writer, editor, or blogger for WorldAfropedia.com today. Every little bit counts. We owe it to the future generations to put the truth out there. Visit WorldAfropedia.com, the African-centered encyclopedia, a global database of African knowledge for the purpose of bringing about global African wisdom and understanding. WorldAfropedia.com. A former employee of a Tallahassee Whataburger files a lawsuit claiming the restaurant chain forced her to quit after she refused to only hire white people. According to the complaint, Vanessa Burroughs worked at the restaurant location on Appalachie Parkway in Tallahassee. Burroughs claims she was told by her superiors in 2015 to hire white applicants only. She refused to comply and hired eight crew members, seven of whom were black. Burroughs says she was repeatedly reprimanded by upper management for her actions, which ultimately led to her involuntary resignation. The United States Equal Employment Opportunity Commission is requesting a jury trial. Now, the company issuing a statement saying, quote, based on our thorough internal investigation, we dispute the allegations. We value diversity in our teams and proudly employ family members of all races, end quote. Now, to view the full complaint, you can visit our website at WTXL.TV. Black brother. Black brother to hell promotions they believe they deserve. They are retired now. They say this lawsuit is about the African-American detectives who are still on the force. Do I think that I'm extra smarter than the other detectives? No. I think I should have gotten promoted with the other detectives. Retired Detective John McCullum, one of three NYPD veterans filing a federal class action lawsuit today, alleging that black detectives in the department's elite intelligence division were systematically discriminated against, passed over for promotions in favor of white colleagues. If you wanted a transfer, just like if you wanted a promotion, it was up to the high ups. The high ups, primarily white, supervisors who would promote and transfer those who are their friends. The lawsuit also alleges rather than focusing on the intelligence division's central role of tracking terrorists, African-American detectives were often relegated to less desirable units inside the division, such as the so-called rap unit, charged with deterring the violence that surrounds some hip-hop artists. I have no regrets taking the job and doing, you know, the time that I did. 
Uh, it's just very saddening uh, that, you know, you do your best and you're not acknowledged. The detectives originally filed a federal complaint against the department back in 2011. After a five-year investigation, the EEOC concluded that black detectives did not receive equal treatment in promotion. We repeatedly told the city of New York about the rampant discrimination in the intelligence division. They have known about this for years. They have done nothing. But the NYPD tonight disputing that claim in a just-released statement saying a review of a recent 10-year period, which included the time frame of this litigation, shows that black third-grade detectives within the Intelligence Bureau were promoted at a faster pace than their colleagues. Now, tonight, the NYPD is also adding that right after that EEOC review, they, in fact, made a presentation to the DOG where they talked about their promotions and also the diversity in the apartment. The DOG, the Department of Justice, then declined to review the EEOC's case. Of course, now a federal judge will make that decision. Black brother. Black brother hell. Co-working began with communities of entrepreneurs working alongside each other, sharing desks, coffee machines, and in many cases, ideas. Well, now, as NPR's Yuki Noguchi reports, co-working is an industry unto itself. Michael Silvers has worked at home and in corporate offices, but prefers his small rented glass-walled co-working space in downtown Washington, D.C. Every office that I've worked in, you're kind of down in your own little hole. You don't really interact as much with other types of businesses. Co-working led to unexpected benefits for Silvers and his co-founder, who run Clear Codex, an app development firm. They recruited a business partner they met at WeWork and learned a far more efficient way to develop software from other startups there. From concept design through to a working app in the App Store in four weeks. It was just amazing. I mean, like we, that, we saw how fast you can do development because of what we caught up on here at WeWork and seeing other people doing it. Co-working spaces are attracting a growing population of office workers who spend more time working from home, hotels, and cafes. Walk into one and you'll find desks, monitors, and meeting rooms along with the creature comforts of home. There are convivial open spaces and areas to allow silent retreat into more focused, productive work. Close quarters bring with it some privacy challenges. Tan Lee, who runs Visually Dynamic, says he's learned to cope. You minimize the screen or you, you, know, you, you kind of turn the monitor a little bit. Part of the appeal is flexibility. Monthly membership means avoiding the commitment of a long-term lease and the hassle of stocking, say, printer ink. Travelers can use memberships at multiple locations, but the real value, co-working companies say, is a more innovative work culture. David Fano is chief growth officer for WeWork, the largest player which has expanded to more than 220 worldwide offices in less than a decade. He says the biggest demand comes from large corporations looking for ways to make their workers happy and productive. How do companies engage in helping individuals be successful and fulfilled. Customers want WeWork to provide the basics, as well as to plan happy hours, cooking classes, and to manage the online forums that keep workers engaged. Programming around wellness. Uh, We're doing a lot of things with workplace mindfulness, thinking about the kinds of food and beverages that are in the work environment and 
being just as thoughtful about that as we are with like ergonomics and furniture. There are several factors driving growth. Telework keeps growing, and independent workers, contractors, freelancers, and the like make up a bigger part of the labor force. Plus, there are more tools that make it easier to collaborate online. Gretchen Spritzer is a management professor at the University of Michigan and says there are psychic benefits. Qualitative research does show that people feel like they're more productive in the company of others that they trust rather than just sitting in a coffee shop. But Spritzer says WeWork has plenty of competition and it's under pressure to keep their members renewing month after month. We're seeing today turnover of members in spaces as competitors come up with cooler spaces or other amenities. Scott Galloway, a marketing professor at New York University, agrees. He says the big question is how big or valuable the co-working industry might be. Privately held WeWork is valued by some estimates at $20 billion, a sum Galloway doesn't believe is justified. There are a lot of organizations that own real estate that could probably offer somewhat of a Me Too model. WeWork may not be that valuable, he says, but the company and the co-working movement are here to stay. Yuki Noguchi, NPR News, Washington. Context of white supremacy. Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Thursday, September 28th, 2017. So I have been told record-setting heat here in the Seattle, Washington area uh, today. Uh, It is 85 degrees. Uh, I cannot recall the last time that it has been 85 degrees this late in September, uh, if ever, uh, in Seattle. I'm going to have to double-check to see if this is an all-time record, but uh, if this is a uh, farewell uh, as we move into Autumn. Wow. Uh, summer uh, Summer has already ended, but I guess this is uh, us getting a little bit extra vitamin D before everything uh, gets really cold. Uh, for Stacy in the UK and other folks who are <clears throat> outside the United States, 29 degrees uh, today in Seattle, Washington. That is absurd. Excuse me. 29 degrees Celsius here in Seattle, Washington today, which is just absurdly warm uh, for this time of year here. Anyway. I'm sure that did not stop workplace racism uh, from happening here in Seattle or anyplace else. Uh, If you have commentary that you would like to share, this is our weekly workplace racism forum. Uh, Dial in. If you are a black entrepreneur, certainly dial in. Uh, Let us know how being self-employed has changed your workplace landscape uh, for the better, for the worse, or, you know, just how things have changed uh, being uh, self-employed, as they say. If you have figured out, whether you're self-employed or not, if you have figured out some things so that you are not being mistreated, meaning you get to go to work, you're not being falsely accused, you're not getting any unwanted touching or sexual lewd sexual comments, uh, they pronounce your name correctly, you get your paycheck on time, it's accurate, you get all your promotions and what have you, totally unmolested workplace experience, you got a great office and think you're going to be able to chill out, do your job until you get ready to retire, whenever that is. You should be one of the first folks to dial in the number 641-715-3640. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 6 if you would like to participate.
Number again, 641-715-3640, code 564-943-POUND. And certainly, if you are having problems, any difficulties on the job, and you just want to get suggestions, uh, different counter-racist perspective on your situation, and possible ways that you can go about trying to solve problems without creating more problems on your job, Certainly dial in. Uh, I'd be happy to share my views. I'm sure we have a lot of other listeners who'd be willing to offer their thoughts as well. Just suggestions, uh, maybe help you deal with things. And again, if you've dialed in before to share a thought experience with us, regardless of whether you use some of the suggestions that were given or not, uh, dial back in and give us the update because that is helpful. Uh, We are trying to learn. And if you figure out, hey, I did this. And it worked great. We definitely want to hear that to know people have used this successfully uh, and this is how it worked. They were able to say this and, you know, this is how whites responded on the job. If it didn't work, that's good to know as well. Uh, We know, hey, this is maybe not the best way to go about dealing with this problem uh, because it did not work out well for me. Uh, Just we're all we are still learning. uh, And I think it's very important uh, that we talk about uh, workplace racism on a regular basis. Basis, uh, because so many of us, regardless of uh, how bad your situation is, uh, the amount of violence that you're being subjected to on the job, uh, it's probably very similar to what's happening to a lot of other non-white people. Because it seems that whites, they have a very specific workplace code about how they terrorize black people. And it seems they do a lot of the same things worldwide. As always, you can drop an email if you're not able Uh, to dial in via phone or if you're just concerned about, you know, your voice being recognized, you can drop us an email until justice at Gmail dot com until justice at Gmail dot com. Drop us uh, any if you same thing, if you have commentary on anything that has been shared or if you have your own situation that you want to offer, drop us an email. We can read your commentary. On the air, uh, you don't have to. We can, you know, do it with anonymity. You don't have to worry about being uh, identified. Uh, with those uh, clips, the first one, the Whataburger, where the person said that they were instructed to only hire white people. They did not have a photo or image of the person who is making this accusation against this fast food uh, chain or this restaurant specifically. But I think we've heard quite a bit of those types of reports before. Uh, I think revealed they had a podcast from last year. It was, I think, a two-part segment where it was the same thing. It was a temp agency, and they were giving the jobs to white people, uh, or they would move a little bit down. Uh, what Dr. Wells and you say, black, get back, brown, stick around. They would give it to, quote-unquote, Latinos or Hispanic, whichever word they used, quote-unquote. They would give it to them, but definitely excluding black people uh, from getting these jobs. We've heard that sort of thing before. That seems to be a pretty standard uh, practice that probably goes a long way to explaining the black unemployment rate. And I might even submit if it is a white person, which, you know, the accusation might, I mean, they might, I suspect they would have said that, uh, that, Hey, you know, how could this, the person who's making this accusation is a black person or whatever, whatever else, what are you talking about? Uh, but if this was a white person, I suspect that it could have been the white people on the job had some sort of dispute or disagreement. And this person is going to say, well, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to show them, I'll accuse them of being uh racist, you know, cause they, I know that they were only hiring uh, other white people. This wasn't a problem until they had some other dispute. I've seen where whites, sometimes that can be an issue for them as well. Uh, 
with that, there was a person who wrote in. I wanted to read their commentary uh, before I get to some of the folks who dialed in. Uh, this person wanted to share. See, this is uh, Black Male. Commentary reads, uh, I was recently proctoring an exam in a history class. The history teacher was supposed to be there, but he waited in the hallway the entire time. I was examining the classroom when I noticed a few poster boards put up by students that read Abraham Lincoln was not a racist. He did not believe in slavery and wanted the Negroes to be free. He believed the Negroes had the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This is why we are so confused about racism. It starts in the classroom. Absolutely. Uh, even before the classroom, really, but uh, it's total system and uh, they are going to make sure that you are getting constantly the messaging, the programming of uh, racism, white supremacy. I don't know uh, if the instructor for this class <clears throat> was a white person or a non-white person, but I know even if it was a non-white instructor, uh, that person is a victim of racism, so they might not have accurate information uh, and or they might, you know, feel, hey, I'm intimidated about saying something about this, uh, addressing this problem. They might not have the language because a lot of times we don't talk about workplace racism. They might not have the vocabulary. What would be the most effective way for me to go about addressing this if this is a problem, if it's even a non-white instructor, if it's a white instructor, then, you know, you already know what the problem or you already know what's happening there. Anyway, uh, again, if you have uh, commentary that you would like to share right in, feel free. And the uh, question I think that I asked last week, one that I do think is important. If you have developed right your counter racist code or you let's say you've listened to Mr. Fuller or some of the other folks who talked about workplace racism and you've uh, adopted some of their suggestions, right? You apply them in the workplace. What are some of the things that keep you from consistently uh, applying your counter-racist code on the job? Uh, I think that is important, something that we should think about, because I think most, if not all of us, have had times uh, where these are things that we believe in in terms of counter-racism. This is how uh, we would like to handle a situation, but then we don't do it uh, when we get in that situation, particularly on the job. And I just I think it's important to maybe explicitly point out some of those things that can be a problem because then we can you know try to work on ways to minimize eliminate that problem so that people can be a little bit more consistent in applying counter racist code it's it's uh, all well and good uh, to talk about in theory and abstract but i mean at the end of the day counter racism is about doing deeds not words i think they say well done better than well said that for sure applies with counter racism application is critical that's how you know that you have learned number again 641-715-3640 and the code 564-943 pound press star six if you would like to participate i also thought from that the second segment where the black nypd officers uh quickly I also thought that that was important because we talked about that on the program as well. I think when you are confused about racism, white supremacy, and some of those black officers were saying, hey, we were 
we were doing our best and it didn't matter. You know, it, it did not. We were not being promoted. We were not reaping the benefits from our hard work, dedication and, and coming in. And we're public servants, no less. We're not working at Kinko's or something. We are officers, you know, in the state of New York. And we're not getting promoted. Our hard work, you know, nobody cares that we're doing a great job. And that's something that I think a lot of black people. I mean, you talk about black mental health. I think for a lot of black people that really erodes, destroys their motivation for wanting to work, wanting to do a good job uh, at work. When you go in, you do all that, you're working hard and you're not being compensated correctly. You're not being promoted. You're still being subjected to white supremacy and terrorized on the job. It just it confounds you. And then it just totally erodes uh, any <laughs> commitment uh, to, yeah, I'm going to come in here and try and do a great job. Anywho, uh, folks have commentary. Again, what stops you from practicing counter racism on the job? If you have thoughts, observations, uh, if you have uh, even comments on what uh, the young person who proctored this exam, <laughs> thoughts on what he had to say from folks who work in education, uh, feel free. Folks who dialed in with a hand up, uh, we'll be opening the lines up immediately. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Hey, uh, 2812. Uh, good evening, guys. Good evening to all the callers. Um, uh, workplace racism. I'll share two things. Um, uh, one is uh, I'm on a board. Um, I'm in the mortgage business. Um, and uh, I'm on a board of Chamber of Commerce in, uh, in the local place where I live. And um, they, they assigned me to some committee. And maybe, maybe, I'd probably say maybe three, eh, maybe two months ago, we had our first meeting about um, some sort of event that they're putting together. And there was a uh, white female that um, said something in the, uh, during the comments when we were having dialogue and she said, oh, we need to make sure that we have inclusion and, you know, there's got to be a black person and people of color is really, really important. And I just found it odd that she said that. And I was like, that's strange for a white person to just come out and say that. And um, just being more observant, just paying attention more to white people. And I think we can study them every day, as Mr. Fuller says. Typically, when somebody makes that comment, there's, the agenda is not really supporting the people, of, is not really supporting black people or any other non-white person. The reason why I'm mentioning that is I was in a, a shop this morning getting something to drink and I saw this same woman. She didn't notice me initially. I was standing behind her. Uh, she glanced at me. I had sunglasses on. And then uh, I walk up to the counter, order my uh, beverage. And then when the person asked me my name, I say my name. She's like, oh, uh, you're the same guy from the, cha from the chamber thing. And I'm like, yes. And um, we get into a quick dialogue. And she mentioned that her child was getting married. And I said, oh, um, uh, just trying to study and listen. I said, who's the lucky girl? And she said, oh, no, it's not a girl. It's a guy. And immediately my codified response was like, that's what it is. Never supporting non-white people. Always about some other agenda. Always has to be about LGBT or something of that nature. But there's never, ever going to be 
a suspected racist that is actually really going to be genuinely looking uh, to help a non-white person, period. I already know that, but it's always good to get evidence of that. And um, I continuously see that any not, any uh, suspected racist that I encounter that even looks like, uh, even at my job or anything of that nature, if they even look like they're saying something that can sound suspicious, that's supporting a non-white person, it's either something that's going to be involved in anti-sex or they're having sex with a non-white person, period. Um, the second thing is uh, right now, um, I'll, and I would call this in the area of um, labor, um, I'm continuously on hunts and tours and things of that nature with my oldest son in reference to colleges and things of that nature. And one thing that I am noticing and trying to do a better job of is um, particularly I run into this daily is um, conversing with other non-white people and I, uh, other victims are having conversations in the area of education. Literally, if a school or a place of education is considered uh, black, it's a lot of anti-blackness around it. And um, it's been affecting me at the job a little bit. Anti-blackness has always affected me, but it's just because I'm a little bit less confused you just have no idea how many times people at the job are saying anti other victims are saying other anti black things and not realizing that even just stopping communicating in that way can be very, very effective. And just how we perceive things, uh, adding value. And I'm just noticing that particularly in the area of, uh, HBCUs and also local high schools to where there are large populations of, uh, non-white people, um, every time somebody talks about the school, it could be a good school, but they, the, the words I'm consistently hearing are ghetto and things of that nature. And I even had to point out to one parent, um, we were having a conversation that we worked together. And I said, the only reason why people say that is because it's black. There's no other evidence of it. And she came up to me maybe two or three days ago and said, you know what? I thought about what you said and I'm going to change what I say. As she said, it's difficult, but I see that that would be constructive. And so I know I rambled a little bit, but um, I just wanted to share that. It's been a while since I called in and um, thanks Gus for allowing me to speak. Hmm. Appreciate that. That is grand. Uh, if you're able to get some other black people to reconsider the way that they use words, uh, that is spectacular. I think over the years we have talked about anti-blackness on the job. I was even reflecting just this very week how that used to be the dominant focus, unfortunately, uh, in my opinion, of workplace racism was anti-blackness with other uh, co-workers. It was as if there were no white people in the universe anymore, uh, at least on the job. But that certainly a lot of people uh, that is, you know, I mean, that is a legitimate problem uh, where, you know, just dealing with other victims of racism who are not codified and are often, you know, hostile, the name calling and joking, uh, or like you said, just the comments that they use, the way that they'll talk about a school that has a lot of black people, that sort of thing. That is very, very common and a big part of what the system of white supremacy is designed to produce. Uh, yeah, is designed to produce uh, in its victims, uh, including Gus T. Renegade. I know Dr. Welsing talked about that as well, that you can be effective making sure that you don't participate that don't participate in those behaviors yourself uh, and just seeing that 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 will stand out uh, or consistently uh, the black people that you work with they don't hear you participating in all that trash 
and talking down about black people or even just the way that you talk about those black schools as opposed to you said oh that you know such and such is ghetto that that high school is ghetto or i don't know which hbcu they were uh, which school they were referencing but having something constructive to say like oh man you know such and such was happening uh at morehouse and they were doing great this that and the other or you know just having something constructive to say about black people things that black people are doing and making sure that i'm not you are not engaged in talking down about black people and or associating black people with anything that is uh, adverse or vile or trashy it can have a big impact uh, in terms of just getting other people to see that and say hey I think that's constructive. I'm going to do the same thing. Great job, uh, in my opinion, and also great observation about the, uh, I guess they would call having ulterior motives for uh, appearing to support a black person, whether it's LGBT issues or whatever it is. Uh, it is not altruistic concern for black people. Great observation. Uh, do we have other folks who had a hand up? Either if you wanted to comment on what you've heard thus far or if you had your own uh, comments, comments you want to share, feel free. May I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Hi, Red. So, um, thank you for taking my call. Hello, everyone. Um, I just had a, a few comments, um, and it actually is just referring back to the question that um, the Gus asked last week about um, what would keep you from practicing your code, and I feel like I'm kind of being tested um, because one of the uh, non-white people that I associate with um, at the jobs and a non-white female, uh, she had, um, I don't know why, but she seems to um, like to give me updates about the the white woman who basically used to terrorize me, the one who would, um, she had like little nicknames for me, you know, can I touch your hair? And also she was the one who was actually touching me. so she had recently sent, she had recently told me about an update on her, like, oh, well, you know, she basically replaced you and now she's hanging out with some other non-white people. Now, the first thing through my mind was to, you know, that went through my mind was to say something negative, but then I did think about, you know, just trying to really formulate my code and just to make sure that I'm not just um, learning, you know, just not just trying to acquire all this like anti um, or counter racist logic but to actually apply it. And so all I did was just kind of chuckle and didn't really respond to, you know, being replaced It's something that, okay, well, it's just a tacky. It's just falling in line of what this white woman was supposed to do, supposed to be tacky. It's just something that I really didn't care about. Um, So that was the first thing. The second thing is um, me and my sister, because we both uh, really don't like our jobs, just, um, not just the racism, but just the job in, in and of itself. So we've been trying to um, just really brainstorm about being entrepreneurs. And she had told me about how these two black females, and I don't know if anyone else has heard about this, but there are these two black females. Um, they are selling like these, uh, she called it a safety pin box. And basically what it is is that um, there's a, it's supposed to be anti-racist um, messages that they send out to white people. And it's like a, uh, like a subscription based um, service. So they send out these little boxes with suggestions on how white people can practice anti-racism and that's quote unquote. Um, and they charge the white people a hundred dollars a month. And apparently they already have a thousand white people. And I'm really, I, I, I just kind of, 
I just kind of think that that's funny because it's like, you know, it, it just really goes back to what has been said on the show plenty of times. White, uh, black people are the most confused about racism. So it's kind of like, I, I feel like it would just give white people an excuse. I think it, it is to, um, if they do feel like practicing racism one day, they can just go back and say, well, hey, well, I do, I, I have been paying these black females to get these suggestions. So I, I don't know if she, I don't know if my sister actually wanted to start something like that, but I'm really apprehensive about like treading, you know, taking that step. Um, and the last thing about the last segment, uh, I kind of find it odd about the whole workspaces with different businesses, because it would seem like security would be uh, somewhat of a issue, at least with me, just the different jobs that I've had, like, um, you know, dealing with finances or whatever. I know that if your client has, you know, personal information, I would be kind of concerned of having other businesses, um, you know, possibly being able to access that information, even if you're using your own computer, um, what have you. So um, that's all I wanted to share. Thank you. Hmm. That's a good point about the uh, information. Uh, If you're in there, presumably you would have to be on their network, right? If you're going to check your email and do all the other surfing, uh, as they say, do they have access? Uh, and then how would you know? I mean, the technology is advancing so rapidly. Uh, you probably have folks who are getting even better uh, with their stealing information skills, hacking skills, as they say. Um, while with some of your, uh, I guess, other personal workplace observations, um, what was the, the second incident? You said you and your uh, you and your sister, neither one of you like your jobs. Oh, it was the black people being confused? Yeah, well, the second incident again. Um, the second incident about my sister uh, was that she we're wanting to basically we're thinking about being entrepreneurs, but we don't really know what business to go through. And the she saw some post or something where these black females they're selling like this safety pin. Do they call it safety pin boxes? And they're selling base or it's a subscription base and they have like basically anti-racist messages from whites who want to so-called be anti-racist. Okay. I, I think I saw the safety pin thing when Donald Trump first got elected, like right at the end of the end of the year, I think 2016. But yeah, I, I could see the same thing. Anything connected to Donald Trump. I could totally see how whites are going to use and manipulate that down the road. I bought some, pins from them so i'm not a ray or they'll have that as their evidence uh they can just sit the box out on their desk of course i'm not racist and all the other but yeah uh certainly black people as you stated uh we're the ones that are most confused about racism no contest uh and i think there are other folks that are trying to do the entrepreneurial thing so there might even be people uh to to help with that might be able willing to offer some uh suggestions help uh in aiding other black people become self-employed. Other folks that are listening in, did y'all have uh, comments, uh, suggestions? you have your own thoughts you wanted to share? Folks are spectating. Even we even have other folks who have hands up. uh, So, no spectating on workplace racism. I uh, will say again, I know this is not the most fun conversation uh, that we could be having, but very important. 
And again, uh, it should be impossible to have three black people, four black people get together and not have robust, lengthy conversation about workplace racism. Uh, If you are listening in and things are great for you on the job, outstanding. (laughs) I'm happy for you. I hope it lasts uh, for as long as you want to work. But I strongly suspect if you're listening to this year program, things are probably not hunky-dory on the job. And if you have a work history, you certainly can't reflect on things that have happened uh, throughout your work history. I think that's important, too, because sometimes when we're more confused, things happen to us on the job. We don't recognize it as racism. Then, as we have a better understanding, we think back, oh, yeah, that was an incident of racism, white supremacy. Uh, You can even add to that. This is what I did then when I was more confused. This is what I would do now, uh, having better information. I think we can learn a lot from that as well. Particularly, we do have younger listeners who don't have an extensive work history. So it's good for them to hear about some of the things that they might unfortunately have to look forward to in the system of white supremacy. Uh, let's see. Uh, the person's 8043. 8043. Did you have commentary? Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Good evening, Gus. Uh, we have a wonderful day. I was calling because. Yesterday, I had a situation that happened to me at my job, and I thought it was quite odd, but I know the guy who asked the question was, was, was a suspected white supremacist. I was in the elevator, uh, I actually heading up to my office, and there was a group, group of people in the elevator as well. I was the only black guy in the elevator. And this gentleman and I happens to be, happened to be going on the same floor. So he, like, he waited till everybody got off the elevator. And the moment we got to our floor, he stopped me and asked me, hey, I want to ask you a question. What do you think about Donald Trump? And I just thought that was, was kind of like, uh, why would you ask me that question? You know, I said, uh, I think that's, that's a very odd question to ask somebody. He said, no, I wasn't trying to offend you. I, 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 I just wanted to ask you know, miss somebody that thought on Donald Trump. And I just thought that was very, very interesting. You know, I told him uh, my thoughts didn't matter. Whatever he thought was 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 what was 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 the best answer. But I told him I didn't have any any thoughts on the trying not to engage him. I felt like he was engaging me to get a reaction out of him. So trying to be codified, I kind of just sidestepped it. I told him I, I wasn't interested in, in answering this question. But whatever he thought about Donald Trump, I, I guess that's good. But I just thought that was, that was kind of odd. I'm going to go ahead and do my own thing. Hmm. Uh, that is something I think it might be wise for black people. If you know you work around white people, uh, and you have, particularly if you have white people, I think some of our listeners over the years have said that they do have suspected racists on their job who like to bring up politics. It's like they're studying them. Uh, I want to hear what this nigga thinks about racism. I want to hear what they think on, you know, our president, you know, take some more notes. Uh, know, you know, how my niggers are doing on the plantation to be prepared for how you're going to respond if they should ask you about Trump or any other aspect of politics. About how, what did you think of President Obama? Uh, I think Mr. Fuller, I've heard him give some great responses to that. What do you think about Trump? I think he's president. Well, 
what do you what do you think of you know his policies which policies specifically are you talking about you know i think i think he's president and he's doing what he's doing you also i think emmy she's with us as well i think she codified her response i don't discuss politics on the job oh but this is just us it's just us on the elevator and you know this is not anything serious i was just i don't discuss politics on the job and if they put well my floor is here. I'll see you later, Bob. And just leave it at that. That's all you ever say. It's a lot of different routes that you can take. Whatever it is, I would say just make sure that you are not surprised because that's one of the tactics that I've seen. Weiss, they will try and do that uh, to just ask you a question like that, to pick your brain, uh, as they say. Uh, they love to do that sort of thing. Just don't be surprised. And even better, you can already have a response. You know Trump is something that they might ask about or just who you're going to vote for, that sort of thing already have that what do you think about the uh the uh the anthem thing they might ask about that you already have your your response in mind whatever it's going to be you already have it and just stick to it uh other folks who dialed in uh if you have a hand up uh, if you have commentary on what we've heard thus far or if you have your own situation that you want to address the line should be open proceed May I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Good evening, Gus, and to the callers and listeners. This is a black female from New York. Um, with regard to your question uh, from last week, what would prevent you from um, practicing um, your codification in the workplace? Uh, the first thing that came to my mind was alienation in that, you know, you don't want to be seen, don't want to seem as if you're not, quote, unquote, a team player. I think you mentioned that last week, something like peer pressure. Because um, I can recall um, being actually being codified, and, you know, you get glimpses of other non-white black people on the job who um, kind of... Uh, sense that you're codified or they sense that you do things a little bit differently and they may come out and give you little tidbits of their um, their own counter-racism. They may do it privately with you, but um, as, you know, as someone who does practice codification, but um, when it comes to actually practicing it themselves in a um, constructive way and, and literally um, doing that as a normal everyday function as a part of their responsibilities, they don't do it because they see you're the nigra that doesn't have, that doesn't have anybody asking them out to lunch. Uh, they see that you're the nigra that, you know, nobody even bothers to invite you to the baby showers and the parties anymore because they know you're going to say no. And they certainly don't want to be subjected to that treatment. And they also see that you're the nigger that also gets passed over for all of the promotions, and that's definitely not the track that they want to be on. So I believe that that um, alienation and peer pressure um, is a huge part of why um, one may not practice codification in the workplace. Um, as for me, um, today I had a very interesting situation. I am a substitute teacher, and um, I had a very... Um, I was a, a science class today, and they were a very smart class. Um, and the teacher kind of reminded me of Walter White. 
for some reason, especially when one kid asked him, uh, told him that he needed some um, ammonium chlorhydrate <laughs> for something. <laughs> the teacher goes, oh, I can get you whatever you need. <laughs> anyway, I had my Breaking Bad laugh. Um, and uh, there was a one, young one, one uh, young, uh, a white girl, and she was speaking within, uh, most of everybody in the class was um, quote, unquote, when white people would classify as East Indian. And there was this one white girl there, and for some reason I sensed that she was on some, side, some, some sort of medication because she was really hyper, you know, um, that, that kind of like, that manic depressive type personality. And um, she walks in the classroom and she looks at me, she's like, hi. And, you know, I said hello, and in the back of my head, I was like, okay, this is going to be the one. Anyway, she goes to, uh, she's talking with her classmate who is this East Indian person. Now, meanwhile, the entire time, because the teacher was there for part of the time that I was there because he was gra grabbing some folks together to go on a field trip. So um, he was still there. Um, for about 10 minutes of the time that I was there. And they were just talking normally or what have you, you know. No, no big deal. As soon as he left, the white girl's conversation switched to, oh, I need some more color on my face. Oh, you know, maybe I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try that really, really dark foundation. And the Indian girl's like, oh, my God, no, don't do that. And the white girl goes, oh, no, I want to look like you. She goes, oh, no, don't do that. Lighten it up some. So, you know, they went to this big, big thing about, about uh, skin tone. Then she starts talking about her hair. But anyway, all of this occurs as I sat down in the teacher's desk, which was kind of like next to the white girl. So that was just my little incident that I had today with my workplace racism. I kind of laughed it off. And, you know, I just sat there and did what I was supposed to do and got paid. And I practiced my codification. And I told them to have a wonderful day. That's all I had. I'll mute my line. Outstanding. That is uh, not, and I think not being surprised, at least in my view, I think that goes a long way to helping you be able to take that stance where you can just see these things happen. You make note, have a wonderful day, and keep on moving. Like You can help minimize your stress level uh, and just not being surprised uh, about any of this. Whatever uh, is said, it's just confirming, yes, we're in a system of racism, white supremacy, and, you know, many of the things that we talk about uh, on a regular basis that this is based in truth. <laughs> That's the way that, you know, I think about it uh, in terms of uh, some of the you were talking about some of the things that keep you from at times practicing codification uh, in the workplace, uh, going back to peer pressure and feeling uh, alienated from uh, other black people sometimes or fearing that that's what's going to happen if they see you being um, passed over for promotions and that sort of thing that ugh, we're not going to mess around with this person. Uh, I think Mr. Fuller would, would encourage um, that even if the other black people don't mess with you, because I think he had said that he's, he's seen and, and heard some of that. If you don't participate in all the jokes or going out to get drinks and, and the uncodified typical workplace culture uh, that that might stick out and they might not want to hang out with you or what have you. But if you can stick with being codified, he said, at least in his experience, some of the black people that are not being codified, you're able to stay on the job, stay quiet, no problems. 
they might come around and want to talk to you, particularly if they're having an issue. Uh, they might want to come and talk to you when they want to maybe hear someone who's going to be logical uh, about things. He said he, he's seen that as well. Uh, and also, I think, too, since this came up so many times, that fear of being alienated or not included, I guess, uh, feeling like you, you're kind of being shunned somewhat in the workplace. Um, I, I, same thing that our black female caller in New York just said, have a wonderful day. Uh, you don't have to, I guess, emphasize it that much if you don't want to, but I definitely encourage making sure your codification includes, uh, making sure that you, you do acknowledge, uh, the other people that are there codification, at least for me, is not about being uh, a mute on the job. It doesn't mean that you no longer, uh, converse with anyone at all. It just means that we're making sure that we're talking what we're talking about, not just going to be having casual conversation. We're not going to be talking about, uh, president Trump who I voted for, where I'm going on vacation, uh, what my children's ask, what, you know, no, we have certain things that we talk about, certain things that we don't talk about, uh, certain people that I might engage more conversation with certain people that I don't, everything is very measured to make sure that you always get the best result. Uh, at least in my opinion, that's supposed to be part of the essence of codification. Uh, other folks who uh, dialed in, if you have a hand up, if you have commentary you want to share, uh, your own situation or some of the things that have been shared thus far, feel free. Line should be open. Big victim. Good to hear from you, sir. Thank you, Gus. I have a, I have a, I have a victim on on my conference call. She doesn't want to, she doesn't want to talk, but she wants me to share her situation. She's having a situation. Is it possible that you could uh, speak up, sir? That would be helpful. Can you can you hear me now? Yes, sir. That's better. She she doesn't want to talk, but she's on my conference call. But she wants me to share her situation. Um, She's having a problem with a, a coworker. They had a. They had a relationship, but she's broken off the relationship. He's a a non-white male, and now he's uh, harassing her, and she's threat. He's threatened to uh, share some of uh, her stories she has, which they used to talk about the white people on the job. And he has threatened to go tell some of the white people what she has said about about them, and she's really uptight of thinking that uh, he might go do it. I I gave you know my, I gave the advice where I you know I you know I took the position of you know I, people people to do anything nowadays. I don't know what to tell you, but. Uh, if you can share some, uh, give us some advice, she'll be grateful. Thanks for letting me share for her. For sure. Um, I guess if she can hear us, sorry that that happened. I'm getting some, uh, maybe a big victim if you can uh, mute really quick. Oh, okay, never mind. Not hearing it. Thank you, sir. Uh, the female victim that I guess is having this problem, if she can hear us, I think you said that you're on a conference. If she can hear us, I'm sorry that you're having to go through that. This is one of those situations. Some of our callers, uh, investors over the years, uh, lashes and some of the other folks uh, who have said, you know, Hey, I don't care how much melanin you have. 
Uh, I am not talking to anybody on my job about racism ever, uh, that that's just, you know, the code forever. I think this might be an illustration of why I totally understand. That's why I presented this. It's not unanimous. Uh, we've had a lot of people rise and some of the folks that are on the line this evening who've said, hey, if it's a black person on the job, I'll talk to them. I'll see if we can develop a rapport and I'll try and share information uh, with them about racism. I try and help out other black people. I think Emmy has done that as well. I always think that's black self-respect. And equally, I totally understand the counter racist logic of saying, hey, in a work environment, I do not have friends. I do not have sisters and brothers. Even if this is another black person in this environment, we have been conditioned and trained uh, to abuse one another, to quote, snitch on each other, as they say. Uh, I'll go and tell white people on you and see if, you know, I can keep my job for a few extra hours, maybe get a few uh, a few extra nickels on my check or what have you. That's, you know, been years uh, of them grooming us to behave in that manner. So we can't really be surprised uh, that that still happens regularly, frequently uh, in the system of white supremacy. So in terms of what to do, um, I, I guess it's, it's, to me, it seems it's not a whole lot that you can do, at least at this point, if he's threatening to do this, that he's going to go tell white people that you said, you know, this, that, and the fourth. Uh, to me, it seems that there's not a whole lot that you can do until he chooses to do so. If he doesn't do anything about it, or if white people don't choose to make an issue uh, of this, then, you know, it, it doesn't seem like this is one that you can take a proactive stance. Uh, to me, it also seems, since this is just going to be rumor, I don't know that you would have any immediate problems. Uh, like, I don't know that whites could come in, uh, regardless of where this alleged conversation uh, took place, whatever he's uh, threatening to share. I don't know that they could uh, legally do a whole lot. It's just gossip, basically. Uh, I guess now it could, if he decides to do this, I guess it could have the effect of maybe uh, getting them vindictive so that they pay more attention to you, that sort of thing. I guess that could happen. Uh, but at least at this point, it doesn't seem like one of those things that you could do uh, anything about. If he does uh, do this uh, and the white people do come to say something to you about it, um, I mean, certainly you can take the position of just saying I'm not sure even sure what you're talking about I don't remember any sort of conversation of that nature but I find it hard to believe it would even get to that point maybe I'm being naive uh, some of the other other folks that are listening in uh, do you have thoughts about this in terms of what you would do moving forward uh, we've got a not a black female uh, she says it was a non-white person on the job I guess they were uh, associates at some, at least they had contact that was amiable at one point and she shared some of her thoughts about racism and now they've had some sort of conflict and apparently the non-white person is threatening to go tell their white co-workers her views. Uh, she's wanting to know what to do. Any suggestions from other listeners? Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Um, <clears throat> the first suggestion, uh, well, uh, I was trying to understand the context um, what Big Victim was stating in reference to the, the nature of their relationship, but I think one of the main things is that she developed some sort of consistent behavior pattern uh, with dealing with this individual uh, from here on out. And I understand it might be a, oh, I'm just not going to talk to him, but just making sure that she's being consistent with that. Um, and then the second thing is I kind of agree with Gus because 
it seems like his behavior and what he's saying is very inconsistent. So you really don't even know what's going to come. And um, I think the other unfortunate thing is that he actually thinks that he's going to make trouble for her with white people. And as a victim of racism, I think one of the main things is that he's making trouble for all the non-white people. And I think that's one of the bad things about the conditioning that we have. But um, I just think uh, her just, just being real codified, standing her ground, understanding exactly what she said. And I'm with you. Uh, what's the recollection? I don't recall any of that, but I kind of agree with Gus. I don't necessarily even know uh, that it'll get to that point, but you can never suspect, you know, unfortunately people do anything, but uh, I just think her being main codified, you know, no contact, no conflict is the best way to move forward. But for her just to be aware of his behavior and then just be prepared what comes down the pipe, because it sounds like he shakes, he say, you know, that's all I got. Mm. Appreciate that. Uh, any other folks uh, with suggestions on, you know, the best way to deal with this moving forward? May I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Black female caller in New York. Uh, thank you. Um, uh, to the uh, young lady, I, I really am sorry that you are going through that. Um, and I don't know what the nature of your relationship is. Um, I, I, I believe I have some idea. But um, uh, it, it appears as if there's a lot of fear involved. Um, your fear of, of course, what the repercussions may be from white people. And also there seems to be some fear of this, um, this coworker that you had this relationship with. Um, what I would do and, you know, take this for what it's worth, I would deny it, deny it, deny it. If he did something, and he just may be doing this to um, hold, if it, if it, if it was a, some sort of romantic relationship, he may be doing this just to hold on to you or, you know, to, to get back at you for something. If that was a type of relationship, if, if it was that type of relationship, if not, if it was just some other kind of relationship, you know. But um, I would just try to, to get a hold of uh, that, that fear. Um, I would try to uh, um, deal with that fear, but I would also, if he did something like that, and I don't think that he will for some reason, I'm with Gus on that, um, I believe that you should, you should deny it. You should just say, I don't know, if he, hasn't, if he hasn't recorded you, if he hasn't videotaped anything, he has no solid evidence, you know, he doesn't have any written statements from you, find appraisals or what, I mean, find um, confessions or anything like that, I would just deny it. Um, and I do agree with the um, previous male caller. He's going to make more trouble, um, not only for you, but I also believe he's going to make a lot of trouble for himself. Because if I know white people, you know, all the niggers are acting up, we're going to get them all. Everybody's going to, you know, suffer for this. But I believe that he's going to cause more trouble for himself. But like I, like I said, I would just deny everything. And that's all I had. I'll read my line. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. We have uh, other folks with suggestions on how you would deal with this going forward. I was unclear if there was a sexual relationship with these two previously uh, myself. I was was not sure that certainly can impact. And uh, I think some people, they make that a part of their code as yes, well. Sir. No sexual. Oh, I'm sorry. Big yes, 
Yes, it, it was. A, it was a, a romantic relationship that she broke it off, and he. I, I I told her I think he's trying to blackmail you to get back with you. Yes, it was a romantic relationship. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, in that case, uh, I would not. I would say. Until I hear from white people, I would take the position that he is bluffing, uh, that he's doing this to be manipulative, as the black female caller in New York said. Uh, he would have to prove that he's going to go and do this, um, because if, if there was any sort I don't know if they met on the job or if they were together before that. But uh, if that's what this is and anybody else on the job knows that there was some sort of sexual arrangement between the two of you, I don't think that that's going to go very. He would, as was already stated, I think he would may end up causing more trouble for himself uh, than he would for you. Uh, I would just. Until I hear otherwise from someone on the job in an official capacity, I would just take the position that he's bluffing and I would go about my business and maintain uh, no contact. I think that would be the, the logical way to proceed until you hear otherwise, unless I am in error. Uh, with that, I guess that additional bit of information, anybody want to update their suggestion or anyone, any other suggestions they want to offer? I guess. Stacy in uh, England. Good to hear from you, ma'am. Hi. Um, I, I just wanted to agree with what everyone else has said. I, I, it does sound like he's bluffing um, and probably won't. Um, I mean, you can never tell how people in the workplace will respond because they can. I don't think there could be an official response to him going and telling <coughs> managers that she said X, Y, Z, because it, it would just be hearsay and gossip. However, um, it is, it just seems very controlling. Um, I think she should try as hard as she can to keep her distance. I think when people think that they can control you and undermine you and you project any sign of fear, um, it is, you know, they're going to take advantage of that. And she does have options because actually he's harassing her. Um, and it's bordering on the sort of, um, so, well, certainly controlling and abusive behaviour. So she does have options outside of the workplace should that continue. Um, I.e., you know, if, if, she, if he's harassing her, you know, it, it's, it's potentially criminal anyway. So, I mean, she does have other options and I think he's just trying to control her anyway. So uh, my advice would not to be not to immediately respond to it and try and keep her distance as much as she can. I'll meet my line, girls. Appreciate can I be heard? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, just to add to a uh, suggestion, uh, based on the question earlier about the uh, lady and the uh, gentleman who had the intimate relationship on the job. Just going forward, no matter how much sexual tension you guys might have on the job, going forward, it's not constructive to have intimate relationships with anybody on a job, black and especially a white person. So that's the first step going forward. Just learn from from, from this uh, your, your, learn from this situation going forward just try not to have any sexual relations with anybody on the job because it's not constructive to do that 
I know that's a lot of sexual tension many times, but it's always good to, to stay away from, from sexual tension on the job. So sexual relationship is always a one I'll go ahead and uh, get up to you. Thank you. Appreciate that. As I stated, some folks, that is a part of their counter-racist code uh, for any work situation. And as was stated, white or non-white, no sexual intercourse with coworkers. I know that's not the case for everyone. And I do know uh, non-white people who ended up marrying somebody that they worked with. That happens quite a bit, too. But uh, I have also seen where that can go really, really bad. Uh, and I also think it's important just for folks to remember when you're in a work situation, Anytime that you're speaking with a coworker, whether it's on the job or after hours, whatever I'm saying to this person, am I comfortable with every person in the company knowing, hearing what I said? That's the way that we should think, whether it's a white person, a non-white person. If you all are at the bar at two o'clock in the morning, you all are at the beach, you all are nude in bed together. Whatever I'm telling this person who is a coworker, we do work together. We are together for, you know, 30 hours a week, 40 hours a week in an official uh, employment capacity. Whatever I say to this person, am I comfortable with them going back and reporting it to everybody? Having an official memo, email, company letterhead, the whole nine, <laughs> date, time. This is what I said. If you're not, then maybe you should think really hard about whether or not you want to say that to that person. I think that's the, unfortunately, this is a system of white supremacy and these types of situations have, this is not the first time that this sort of thing has happened. So that's, that's the way that I encourage black people to think uh, on the job. And that the, in my view, the threshold for trusting a, a, a non-white person on the job is astronomically high uh, to the point where we can sit down and have frank conversation about my views on white supremacy racism. Uh, do we have any other suggestions on this situation specifically? May I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Um, I actually just wanted to add, I think that um, as far as just what Gus had just said about not really, or, or suspecting or not really trusting um, what people, what your coworkers, uh, not really trusting your coworkers, especially if you're saying something outside of the job. And that was actually the reason why, um, with this is Reverend Ohio, why I actually responded the way that I did to what a coworker had said. Because even if, you know, like I've really been planning on, you know, leaving the job, I still would not want, um, I don't know if they, if like other jobs still do the whole like reference thing, I would not want, um, you know, cause whites, they do have a particular way of, of communicating, even if there's not something that they really have to share to, uh, some, to like a, a perspective, uh, employer of an ex employee. So, so that's the reason why I just, you know, try to keep it as short as possible and even like, you know, going forward. And I definitely agree with what everyone else has been saying about um, the sexual contact between coworkers. I've also seen that at my job um, more so with, or actually with two non-white people. Um, one, uh, the non-white, there was a non-white female who I kind of conversed with more. She had, uh, or is still having a relationship with another um, non-white person, a non-white male. And it seems like it's not only entertainment for the non-white people, but it's entertainment for the white people too. Like 
well, no, it's not, it's not a cowbell. It's not a cowbell. It's, it, it's two black people, a black female and a black male, but it's kind of like a, it's like entertainment for everybody at the job. Well, okay, well, what is this male doing? And then they like to go back to her and, um, you know, kind of talk to her about it. And then on the other hand, there was a, there's a black male at the job, a different black male. And, you know, he basically had a reputation of, just, you know, having sexual contact with a bunch of different females. And that kind of, you know, has followed him no matter where he's moved throughout the, the, the company. So it, 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 I definitely just, I definitely um, would um, never engage with something like that. Uh, that's all I wanted to add. Thank you. Appreciate that red. Uh, yeah, I have seen that. And conversely, I've seen, for suspected racists where they can engage in all sorts of sexual debauchery and it doesn't seem to uh, disrupt their career advancement to the same level as it does for black people. I think Anthony Weiner, he had to get caught repeatedly um, and, you know, doing all kinds of lewd conduct and uh, sexually exploiting children and everything before it finally ruined his uh, career opportunities, briefly at least. Uh, do we have other folks who had uh, commentary they were going to share? Line should be open on on this specific situation before we move forward. Any other commentary folks going to share on this situation? Assume we got all the suggestions for this one. Uh, I guess, big victim, you can uh, let us know how things uh, proceed with that. Definitely encourage no contact, regardless of what happens with uh, the situation. But definitely no contact. Uh, with the uh, the male in question, uh, I think in this case it would definitely be. <laughs> there's no nothing else to say. Like if if threats are being made, you know, of that level, then uh, yeah, this is not not anything that needs to be continued uh, moving forward. Uh, Will do. Indeed, indeed. Uh, the number again: six four one seven one five three six four zero, and the code five six four. Nine four three pound. Press star six if you would like to participate. Uh, other folks have commentary they would like to share. Your own situation. Uh, line should be open. Proceed. Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Um, good evening, guys um, and listeners. Um, this is Diane um, from Ohio as well. I called in, um, I think it's been about a month ago, um, because I was, um, you know, dealing with uh, policing and different things at my job. Um, I just wanted to, you know, give an update. And uh, I've just kind of navigated it. I've I've kind of learned how to be less tense and to be aware of the strategies that that I know are in play. Um, One thing that I am kind of questioning myself about is um, I, I feel like I have to be disingenuine um, a lot of times um, just because, and, th- and not that I go out of my way to communicate, um, you know, with coworkers, but, you know, the way our, everything's set up, we, we have to communicate. Um, so, you know, sometimes I'll communicate and I notice that, you know, you kind of get caught up in the conversations and different things that happen. Um, and then I have to kind of pull myself back um, because I don't. Um, the one thing that always sticks with me is the phrase, um, 
they like to disarm you with kindness. Um, so I'm actually more alert when non-white people are, well, no, white, white uh, people are kind and, you know, just kind of more embracing. Um, it causes me to kind of be on more of a, a alert. Um, but I guess I'm just kind of struggling with, because I try to be a genuine, authentic person, but I know that in the arena that I'm in, um, the there was a caller who mentioned that, and, and I don't, it's definitely not a fear of being rejected or not being invited out or anything, um, but sometimes I just wonder if you are too shut off, will that um, kind of put you on the radar as well? Will that make you a target as well? Um, and then uh, you, uh, somebody made a comment earlier today about, I can't think of verbatim what they said, but just about, you know, communicating and dealing with fellow coworkers. Um, I'm just going to use this as a small example. Um, I've made it a uh, kind of a priority to eat more healthy. Um, so a lot of the things that I used to indulge in, I don't anymore. And the other day I was with my sister and she got, you know, fried chicken from a takeout spot. And it smelled absolutely delicious. Now, I know I did not want this chicken. I didn't desire it. But the smell of it, you know, out of habit, it made me crave it. It made me want it. Um, and I just simply told myself, you don't want this chicken. You just, you know, the fragrance is kind of drawing you in. It's just it's tempting because it's there. The fragrance of it is making you think that you want it. Um, so that is something that I'm using um, in my work environment as well uh, with the communion and the, you know, the jokes and, you know, everybody seems to be talking and I'm just kind of like not really grafted in. I don't desire a relationship with um, these, these people. I don't desire communion with them, but the, the fragrance of that around you kind of sometimes makes you think that you want that. Um, but I definitely don't want it because I know that it more than likely is going to be unhealthy for me. Um, so that's something that I'm using um, to help me. Um, I'm hearing you guys use the word codification. Um, I've listened to several of Nilly Fuller's um, videos. I, I'm not really familiar with the exact term of codification, but I am going to research it. Um, but it's just my way of navigating, um, you know, in the surroundings that I am aware of. And with that, I'm going to end my line. Thank you. Or mute my line. Fried chicken metaphor for workplace racism. Wonderful. Wow. Um, when I say codification, and uh, you can, if you're already familiar with Mr. Fuller's concepts, uh, you've heard him before, what have you, you can certainly check uh, his literature, uh, the, his code book, and the word guide where he defines the term explicitly, uh, unambiguously. Uh, we also have talked about it on the program. I think Mr. Edward Williams, who also has uh, written a book about counter racism in the workplace. Uh, where he has, uh, on the program, on this broadcast, defined the concept of codification. When I say codification, uh, especially in the context of the workplace, uh, it just means figuring out the best way to do something to solve a problem without creating new problems. Uh, and then you do it that way consistently. You do it that way every time. Uh, so in the context of the workplace, the example that I already gave in terms of people should codify a response. If someone comes on a job and says, uh, hey, Diane, what do you think about President Trump? You should codify a response, meaning what's the best way I can respond to this 
consistently every time, and it will always work out to my benefit. Uh, I'm not going to say I think he's a no good uh, dirty cracker because that's not going to work out to my benefit. I'm going to figure out, hey, I can say I don't discuss politics. I think I can say that every time and I will not get in trouble. I think I'll be able to use that every day. I don't think there's a situation where I can use that and I will be harmed, uh, where someone will fuss at me or I'll get written up or fired or I'll miss a promotion because I refuse to talk about politics on the job. That's codification that you can work according to your views, according to where you work at, your personality. You can work out, we should all be working out our own individual code for how we function on the job. Uh, that is applying our, our view, our perspective on counter-racism, and is working to make sure we minimize the opportunities for racists to harm us. That's what I mean by codification, if, if that makes sense. Does that make sense, Diane? Um, yes, it does. Um, it, it absolutely does. And that's, that's um, absolutely um, how I try to operate in you know, all aspects of my life. Um, and I guess... That kind of maybe goes back to where um, where I kind of have uh, this. It's not predominant, but sometimes I wonder about my, you know, just me being uh, disingenuous. When I say that, I, I think I'm not because a lot of times I don't want to even communicate with some of my uh, white coworkers. Um, I'm very aware of, uh, you know, how they navigate and how they're operating. Um, but, you know, I know that in the best interest, you know, I, I, I don't want to call it fake, but I guess it's codification. I don't, sh I try not to share too much. I, I definitely do, um, you know, try as much as possible to stay focused on my job. Um, but then, you know, I just noticed that even it, to me, it just seems like in a way you have to be fake with, um, white people because that's how they operate. They definitely operate in uh, disingenuousness, um, just, you know, a falseness. And um, in, in my mind, I'm just like, well, that's what I'm going to give back to you. Not that, like, purposely trying to do that, but I'm not going to divulge into you anything extra. I'm not going to, um, you know, yeah, I mean, if you say something funny, as long as it's not off-bounds, I might, you know, laugh at it and pretend I'm interested, you know, for the most part for just, you know, as, as much as I feel necessary. Um, but other than that, I'm going to pull back. And so I guess that's the balance that I'm dealing with right now is just, you know, when I leave and I shake that off, um, <laughs> you know, I just feel like, you know, this is – I'm really dedicated to uh, and committed to that now. So I guess I'm kind of, you know, in my spirit, dealing with that resolve of, you know, this is what I have to do to continue to make progress the way that I want to make progress. So, I mean, it definitely makes sense, but I guess sometimes I still battle with myself of, um, you know, just having to, to be that way to, to do what I have to do. I suspect a good number of our listeners, uh, victims of white supremacy, have felt the same way. One thing, at least for me, I think it might be helpful uh, in terms of the way that we think about it. I don't think of it as being disingenuous with whites in the workplace. Uh, I think in a system of white supremacy, racism is war. White people waging war against us. Uh, I am not. Friendly, I am not looking to share all of this information with them. Uh, I don't look at it as be me being uh, disingenuous. Uh, I just look at it as 
this is a war situation uh, where they're waging war against me. How would I function with someone who is hostile to me? Uh, I am not going to share every bit of information with them. I don't I don't view that as being disingenuous. If this was somebody that I was trying to take advantage of uh, and I was trying to manipulate them somehow for some money or to harm them in some way, then I tell you I'm being disingenuous. But I don't think of it as as that is all they are aggressing against us. They're being hostile against us. We're operating more from a defensive position. Uh, these folks have not shown themselves uh, to be allies to black people anywhere in the world, <laughs> anywhere for the last thousand years or however long you want to go back. So, um, yeah, I just think of it more as this is a logical and defensive position to take. And I just have to be very much on guard uh, with how I function around you, what I say around you, uh, even the conversations that I engage in uh, when I'm in this environment, because I am in a dangerous position. I am not amongst friends. And I, I, I just put that at the forefront. If I was if I was around friends, if I was around people and I was looking to do something nefarious. Yes. And uh, disingenuous, I think, would be a more correct term. But that is not the case. <laughs> when you're around racist, you are in hostile territory. Uh, you are doing the logical thing. Did did other folks have any any thoughts they wanted to share with uh, Diane on that one in terms of just that sort of, of feeling in terms of how we have to function uh, in a work environment where you might feel that you you can't open up disingenuous? As you say, anyone have any thoughts they want to share with her on that? I had a, I had something. I'm oh, sorry. You can go first. I thought it was ladies first guest of the matter. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, we'll get red first. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Um, just real quick, and thank you. Um, I actually have been trying to, um, I guess you would say, like mimic how white people act towards me because I feel like that is a part of their code. If they know more about racism than we do, I feel like that that goes back to what other people have been saying and what I have been doing recently is studying white people. So to hopefully help build up my counter racist um, strategy. So I think that that's the perfect way to act. I think there's, there's not a better way to act. You give it to them like they're giving it back to you. I don't think that it's a disingenuous or anything. And just definitely like what Gus said, these people are not our friends. These people don't really have our best intentions at heart. Just basically, um, what you've been saying before, I think you might have mentioned the the story before how like these white women would kind of, um, you know, I guess seduce for lack of a better term, like the black males around you just to show that they are more powerful than you. These people aren't, aren't here to, to be friendly to you, to be nice or anything like that. So I think that if they are treating you fake, then you give them back that same type of fake atmosphere and you just leave, you, you leave that at the job. Um, that, that's all I wanted to add. Thank you. Great point. Uh, <laughs> I guess you could add nobody is more disingenuous than all of the white people who said, oh, there's no way Trump could be president. That is disingenuous. Uh, the mail caller, thank you for your patience. Oh, now you good, guys. Um, I think most victims on this call, if we're truthful, and I know I'll include myself, but was talking about the term uh, disingenuous. Um, in my opinion, I think what it really comes down to is that central question, do I believe that all white people are racist or can be suspected racist? Because then disingenuous, that word almost goes out the, it just goes out the window. Uh, it's a metaphor, but because 
you're not viewing them as someone that could potentially maybe help you. And then you're not feeling as, well, yeah, I'm being fake towards this person because I really being my real self, because maybe this individual might be able to help me. Typically when, when I know just speaking for myself, when I got honest about that, it made things a whole lot easier because then you can just decodify and you're not worried about being disingenuous because you might just, like Mr. Fuller says, you might just be friendly, you might just be courteous, but you're not giving out any additional information not because you're being fake. It's because typically what happens is that non-white people are harmed when they're being honest with white people because they use that against you. So that's just the main thing and to ask yourself that question. And for a lot of victims, every day it's hard because, and Gus talks about that frequently on every program, when they're being nice, that does not mean that they're not practicing racism. And that's a really hard thing, not only everybody on this call, but if we just look at the results, black people around the world. Um, and so that's just what I wanted to share. It really just comes down to that core, in my opinion, just that core question that you have to ask yourself. And then if you believe that, I believe that you're, you're typically the behavior goes along according with that. So. Uh, did other folks uh, have commentary that they wanted to share? Hi, guys. Uh, Stacy in London. Yes, ma'am. Um, and hello. <coughs> Sorry. To, uh, hello to everybody else on the call. Um, can I give my update? Oh, yes, ma'am. Okay. Um, so just before I do, I just want to say I agree 100% with the last caller. Um, and I think, I think her name is Diane. I think she had probably given herself the answer at the beginning of what she said in that um, typically when people are being nice, it's usually because they want something and eventually that niceness will disappear when they're ready to enact whatever act of terrorism they were um, planning to do anyway um, and I, I guess it's what the last caller said but in a slightly different way I do think sometimes we we have an emotional attachment which is probably that we think um, these suspected racists are going to be nice or useful to us at some point in the future um, remove the emotion out of it and just treat it as your workplace skill this is how I behave in the workplace um, in the same way that, you know, we're being told that we need to communicate, be a team player, um, just add it to your toolbox as one of the other workplace, skill, um, workplace skills and just remove the emotion out of it. <clears throat> in terms of um, my update, I think the last time I called in um, about the situation that I am dealing with, a, being accused of um, shouting at a colleague, then having um, their managers try and use that as a way of um, undermining me and um, I've challenged it. I'm at the stage where it's a grievance. Um, I've also had a director um, push into me and um, them also trying to use a non-white female um, as the uh, way in which they can enact their racism against me. Um, 
I was surprised a couple of weeks ago. Um, well, no, what I'd done is I'd gone to my doctor because of some correspondence I'd received from HR. I eventually sent a letter in from my doctor basically saying that, um, you know, I've been dealing with this situation. Um, they were planning to move, send me back to the team that I was originally in because I'm temporarily based in another team because of what has happened and while the um, grievance is being processed or rather you know, when I submit it um, and I didn't hear anything back immediately um, but then I spoke to my union rep and he actually asked me do I want to see if they can get me time off work which would be classed as sickness um, which was something that I was quite concerned about um, and um, needless to say that has happened so this week I've been out of, out of the office they technically gave me leave so that I could focus on actually submitting the grievance documentation because I hadn't done it um, and it's not that I was avoiding doing it in the sense that, you know, I changed my mind. It was literally just, it's a lot of trauma. I know a lot of incidences that I've been dealing with um, and it's just, you know, having to go back through all of what has happened has been quite difficult for me. Um, and it will be actually more than one grievance that I'm going to submit. So I did submit the first one today. Um, the next one to go in will be the um, the, the, the director um, and her aggression. So that one is going in. Um, but it has been useful to have been given that time out of the office to just be able to focus on it. I mean, the, the, you know, the, I don't know what the position is in the US, but in the UK and certainly in, in terms of my employer, you have a three-month period where they want you to um, report any instances that have happened. So they try and say that there's a timeout if it happened three months, so longer than three months, then, you know, they use it as a way of not, um, well, it, it's a timeout on anything that's happened, which I think is discriminatory in itself, not least because when you are dealing with ongoing and repeated acts of terrorism and people have a position of authority over you and it can affect your livelihood or other things, um, you know, it's not always easy to just decide, okay, well, I'm going to go and submit a grievance and plus you have to prove it. You know, you can't, it's not just a case of going and making a complaint. You're going to have to go through an investigation. So, you know, um, yeah, I mean, some of the, so part of what I've had to do is to think through, okay, how am I going to structure the grievance to ensure that um, all the issues are covered and that there is a history that has been, you know, or rather there's a history to what has gone on, which for me has been three years. Um, so, but, you know, it, it was good news that they gave me the week off to work on that grievance, grievances. Um, I'm probably going to take, well, I'm due to go back on Monday. I'm probably going to take Monday off as well um, because I've definitely got one more that I want to submit, but there are two others that um, 
I'm going to try and squeeze in because I do not want any anyone to get away with what they've been doing to me um, for quite some time. I'll mute my line there, guys. Wow. Context of white supremacy. Uh, when state, and I think for folks who have not been listening to the cows for a long time, uh, Stacy has been sharing with us for almost a year now. Uh, I think she started participating. I guess I can do my timestamp thing. So it is 2.34 a.m. Uh, London time of uh, 2.34 a.m. Friday morning uh, for Stacy, who is participating live with us. But she's been joining us live for workplace racism for almost a year with this situation yelled at by a white man and then they get a black employee to come in and uh, address some of these issues and harass terrorized violently uh, by other employees uh, in the building to just keep going through all of this. I mean, it is an extraordinary strain. Again, black mental health. Uh, it is an extra, it exacts an extraordinary toll uh, on us. And then even just trying to do the paperwork and, and go through to try to get some sort of redress for all of this abuse that also exacts a toll. You have to go back through all of these incidents and rehash and retell probably repeatedly uh, how you got mistreated. Uh, what, what were you doing on the day that this white woman came down the hall and shoved you out of the way repeatedly? Uh, what were you doing on this day when you got falsely accused uh, of this job, uh, which might impact your employment, your livelihood to cap to uh, keep rewriting it, retelling it often to people who are hostile to you and do not believe you? All of that takes a toll. Uh, and a lot of times that in and of itself, uh, it's not like they're going to give you or at least it sounds like with Stacey, she did get extra time. But a lot of times they're not trying to give you a few extra days off to do the paperwork or to recoup, uh, do some self-maintenance, self-care uh, so that you can be replenished and ready to work. Uh, just they have a variety of ways uh, of making it a very excruciating experience for us uh, on the job. Uh, and I would say if you're going to do the paperwork, we talk about that all the time, documenting and uh, trying to minimize the abuse that you face on the job. If you're going to do a formal process uh, when they have you submit a quote unquote grievance or even if you're going to talk to an attorney, it could be a very long process. Have that in mind uh, and make sure, hey, I'm going to have the stamina. I'm going to do things to make sure that I can uh, maintain myself because this could be a very long, unpleasant process uh, to get to the finish line. I think that's important to to be truthful about that before you get involved. Uh, any comments folks want to get in uh, what Stacy had to share? years of reporting. If you go back uh, in the archives, you'll hear lots of uh, different reports, different times as, as we go month to month, week to week uh, with the updates. Uh, the other folks who dialed in, if you have a hand up, if you had a commentary you wanted to share, your line should be open. Proceed. Gus, sorry, just before you go on to um, somebody else, I just wanted to say on the documentation, um, I guess, because sometimes I, I go back and I think, oh, you know, how can I give a bit of advice to people on some of the things that I've been sharing and what i would say in terms of any process i mean certainly on the cows we talk about keeping records and documenting um it is traumatic but you know there may be a 
it may be the case that you never ever end up going through any kind of formal process and that's great if you don't have to um but what i would say is try and get your paperwork in order or have some kind of mechanism for filing your anything that you're recording because um you know it's as you said it's been traumatic just going back and thinking about all the things that have happened and the emotions attached to all of those things but you know the process of having to submit a grievance and select evidence and examples of um you know what evidence examples it, that in itself is quite challenging and if you haven't been systematic about it it's not the most enjoyable thing to do I certainly didn't want to do it I mean I was you know I'd, I'd definitely record everything you know and um, have notes and things like that but at the same time I wasn't necessarily very structured about it so um, you know that hopefully that's a useful bit of advice for people listening in I would uh, definitely concur with that in terms of making sure you're organized uh, with your notes, documentation that can be helpful uh, in moving forward. Particularly, again, you can see the situation with uh, Stacy has taken a year and I think we have a number of other folks who've been dealing with situations that are long running. Uh, a lot of times these things are not resolved in a day or a week uh, or a month even. Uh, other folks who dialed in with a hand up, proceed. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. All right. Uh, greetings, uh, Gus, and to all the callers and listeners. Um, this kind of goes back to uh, the previous comment that was made um, by the female caller, um, speaking in terms of, uh, I guess, being uh, um, disingenuine. Um, I just want to uh, quote, I guess, if you will, a metaphor, if it's okay to employ a metaphor here, Gus. Oh, for sure. <laughs> That's only on the compensatory call, okay. then. <laughs> all right. Um, and so uh, in the, uh, the book, I, I know you, did, you all did this in the book club a while back, but uh, how to win friends and influence people. Uh, one of the idioms that was used is that uh, you can catch more flies or bees. You can catch more bees with honey than with vinegar. And um, I think that that's a common approach that's taken on by many uh, suspected racists. And uh, they may come to you with one thing that seems as if they're being nice and being kind and everything. Uh, but again, ultimately, uh, their goal is uh, usually to practice the system of, of racism, white supremacy. And so I just wanted to put that out there just as a reminder. I don't think that we should feel guilty. We shouldn't feel as if um, uh, we are doing something incorrect. Um, by not taking that on in terms of uh, being nice and being genuine, but at the same time, you don't have to uh, compromise and give anything more than what is it uh, than, than what you would in being codified. Uh, thank you. Great point. Great point. I think, too, a lot of times we end up feeling some type of way because so many of us, I know it's not just so many of us get accused, even Gus T, it's happened to me as well, get accused of being, what, what did they say, standoffish, aloof, you're not a team player, uh, and that sort of thing. 
you don't even have to be being codified per se. You can just be a black person and I'm just here and I'm trying to do my work. And they do that so regularly. Uh, it seems like it's such a requirement for many jobs that if you're a black person, they want you to entertain them. They want you to gossip and tell them everything about your life so that they can very easily know as much information as they need to about you to keep you controlled and whatever else they want to do with the job situation. But I think for uh, counter-racist purposes, uh, just again, to make sure uh, it's emphasized that it's, at least for me, codification is not about being silent. It's not about ignoring everybody on the job. Speak to folks. Morning, Helen, Todd, you can speak to people. You can even ask questions. I've suggested many times asking and finding out information about uh, what's what's happening so you can be more informed about the environment uh, in which you work. Being codified on the job shouldn't be uh, synonymous with being silent being mom, not saying a word. It's just you are very strategic about the talking that you do. Other folks have commentary uh, that they wanted to share? Gus, can I ask a question? Um, this is a black female caller from New York again. Um, what about appearance? Like your attire. Um, I always kind of tied that into my own black self-respect. Um, uh, I've frequently noticed that um, racists, uh, you know, they can come to work any old way that they want to come to work. I mean, you know, as a matter of fact, um, I had gone to an orientation um, for the job that I presently have, and I counted the amount of people in the room, and I think there were like about six people in the room for this particular orientation. And out of those 16 people, I think there were maybe four white people. Everyone else was black. And we all were dressed as if we were going to a professional orientation. And every, the white people were dressed like they were going to the store on Saturday morning. I mean, literally. Some of them had shorts and sandals on. All of us had on suits, dresses and skirts. Even the two black males that were there, they had on ties. And all those white people had on, like, flip-flops and whatever, you know. And they didn't get the, I mean, they got the job, you know, they were there for the orientation for the job, just like we were. Now, um, I also believe that, like, when you're in, when you're on these plantations that, you know, if you have, if, if part of your codification is, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to dress for the job that I have. I'm going to dress for the job that I will that I want, you know, later on, but everybody else is not dressing like that. You know, you know, you might get other black people that come up to you and, you know, why are you dressed up today? And you're like, man, I just put on, you know, a clean dress and I ironed in and some shoes, you know, and I just think that that's a part of codification as well. I mean, that's just my opinion. I just wanted to put that one out there and just get anybody's feedback on it. I'll mute my mind. Hmm. Uh, folks, have any thoughts on attire uh, in terms of what we are wearing contrasted to what we see race soldiers wearing on the job? Hi, Gus. Stacy in the UK. Uh, yeah, I, I, this one is, <laughs> I could spend the whole program on this one. Um, I don't think it's one where non-white people can win. 
I certainly don't think, unless you're working in the job where shorts is your uniform, that even if there were lots of um, suspected racists or, you know, just white people in, in an event or training or whatever with shorts on, that the same would apply to non-white people. And I've been in that situation where I was wearing a dress um, and a so-called, um, well, uh, uh, she's not a suspected racist, she's a racist, um, commented about me looking very, very sexy in the dress. And um, it's a dress that there is a white female who also had pretty much the same dress. I think it was a different brand, but it was the same dress. Um, and no such comments were made to her. Um, and you know, I you know I've faced that so many times. It's not about how much you spend on your clothes. I've been in the office wearing things which were pretty much you know I think Walmart is one of your cheaper stores. We we have other um, similar types of um, uh, shops in the UK. I've had more expensive things on, and people comment. I don't think you can win, but I certainly wouldn't um, get too comfortable and start dressing, you know, in anything that you would wear to the supermarket on the weekend, um, unless that is the uniform of your of the the organisation that you work for. I'll meet my langas. Context of white supremacy. I think if folks recall. The very first time Mr. Fuller was a guest on this program, uh, May of 2009, he said that there was a white woman on his job and she used to just uh, dress terribly. Uh, just looked like she just rolled out of bed and didn't turn the light on and just randomly grabbed things out of the closet, um, wrinkled, whatever. And he said that uh, these black people were laughing about her attire on the elevator and she just turned around and looked at them and said, yeah, but I'm still white. And that ended all of the snickering and ended the whole conversation. Uh, I think that still applies and will as long as the system of white supremacy exists. I've seen the same pattern. Uh, I would definitely not encourage uh, non-white people to think that we can emulate that on the job. Uh, I think for us, I think I've even said before, I would get, you know, whatever attire you want to wear and just wear the same thing because I've seen where that can end up taking on a lot of unnecessary time and attention and energy uh, attire in the workplace and even white people commenting on what you're wearing and that can it, the whole job thing can even come a fashion show I think the balance uh, is just figure out this is what I can wear where I'm in compliance I think Mr. Steele uh, had talked about that before where they were questioning him about the pants uh, he was wearing uh, on the job uh, and it seemed nobody else was being accosted about you know what pants they were wearing I would just get standard what so that I look nice I'm presentable I'm clean uh, I wear something that looks pretty similar if not the exact same thing meaning I have you know four or five different pants uh, same type of pants same type of shirt so that I'm not I even look pretty similar in terms of what I'm wearing every day that doesn't stand out and there's no cause for additional 
commentary and anything else uh, about my entire thing. One of our callers down in Florida as well had said that uh, one of the females was like, oh my, look at that shirt. You look so, so nice in that color and that sort of thing. I would try and minimize that as much as I can as well. Uh, do we have other folks who, who had commentary they wanted to get in on the wardrobe thing before we switch topics? Right on, right on. Uh, other folks who, oh, Mr. Steele should be with us as well. Other folks who, who dialed in with the hand up, line should be open. Do we miss anybody? Other folks who dialed in with the hand up that we've not heard from? Assuming some folks might be spectating because uh, I do see additional hands and seem some of those folks haven't shared yet or maybe they're in an area where they cannot speak uh, as of yet uh, with the folks that are with us uh, I cert if if folks have a code has anyone else worked out their code in terms of what they say if you should be asked I know the anthem thing was huge news uh, this week folks have a code uh, where this is what I say to make sure I don't have any issues with that May I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Um, I actually, I guess I developed this a while back not even, without even really realizing it. It wasn't necessarily about the anthem, but it was, uh, and I know I shared this story before, but a white woman, she had asked me, and it was a, a, a white woman who is um, anti-sexual. She had asked me about, you know, it was right after the election of Donald Trump. And, um, you know, how, how terrible, quote unquote, it was supposed to have been. And I just immediately got in the question lane. She was like, and as soon as the questions began to get too, um, I don't know, just, you know, she just stopped answering the questions because I did not want to um, make it about me. I wanted to, you know, definitely hear her thoughts. Like the question was, you know, basically, well, yeah, Donald Trump is bad, but then also, like, you know, what about Mike Pence? I heard that he really doesn't like gay people, and, and, you know, can you believe that? And, you know, and I'm like, well, I don't just basically just kind of make her talk more, and then she stopped right before she basically talked herself into a corner. So I'm like, okay, well, if he doesn't like gay people, then I wonder, you know, how will he feel about, you know, black people or, I guess, people of color? And at that point, she stopped talking, she turned around, and that, that conversation had ended. So I feel like even if you don't really know what to, even if you do want to say something, I definitely recommend staying in the question lane. Thank you. Always an advocate of asking questions, either you don't have to say anything. I've said that also many times on the job. Sometimes you don't have to say a word. If you do, however, feel compelled to speak, questions, always a great way to proceed. And sometimes it works beautifully that way. You ask enough questions, you ask the right questions, conversation ends on its own. <laughs> and we can all get back to working. We don't have to go through this little charade uh, anymore about, you know, as though we're... <clears throat> as though we're having some sort of authentic dialogue. Um, just with the question, anybody else have have their code worked out or have to deal with being questioned about 
what happened with the anthem uh, to respond with that, particularly a white person asking that question? I presume folks did not have that issue this week. I again suspect uh, if folks are not having any issue and just my experience when I talk with people offline, I don't bring up workplace racism. People voluntarily bring up workplace racism when I speak with folks off the line every time. Uh, only when we get to workplace racism on the broadcast do people at times hesitate and don't want to talk about it and it takes more thinking and can be a much more difficult endeavor uh, where people are honestly talking about things that are happening to us on a regular basis. But I do think it's important uh, and folks should be uh, making an effort to review some of the things that are happening. And if you've worked out some things that work well, we definitely need to hear that. Anybody that has figured out, hey, you can do this uh, and this will help you if you are in a situation where you're being falsely accused of something. If you figure out, we certainly need someone to uh, be thinking about what to do when other white people are not doing their work on the job and that is causing problems for you because we have heard tons uh, of that especially this year uh, people should be working on that as well so not something you should be spectating for i think uh thursday night tv is about to come back on so you'll have great alternatives uh, but this is not a program for spectating listening folks should uh, have active commentary to add for workplace racism uh, and or you can email if you're not in a position where you can uh, dial in. Other folks, uh, some of the folks that have a hand up that we've not heard from, did you actually have commentary or do we still have folks that are uh, just hanging in? Uh, can I be heard? Yes, sir. Um, yes, um, just a question for the people on the line. Um, how do you deal with uh, racism on the job? Uh, when it's a non-white person, uh, like a manager, that you're dealing with? What are they doing, per se? Um, so, <laughs> um, I guess in the situation, um, hiding information that is uh, critical for the person that they're managing to be functional, fully functional on their job, uh, just something as simple as knowing their basic responsibilities um, uh, and, and going back to tell their manager that their subordinates are not doing their job. Hmm. Let me make sure I'm understanding it correctly. So if it's a non-white manager, they're not passing on constructive information so you'll know the correct way of performing your duties and then when that happens uh the non-white manager goes back to tell his bosses managers whomever that the employees are messing up they're not doing their job right leaving out that he's withholding information from them is that what's happening correct okay uh i one of the ways i, I reckon that that could be handled if we're missing information, you can stay in the question lane. Is there a problem with information? It seems that uh, there was a problem with this particular job. If it was reported to someone else, I don't know if they, I don't know how all of this is known, right? If he's going to report this to other people, are they getting in trouble or written up? Or if, you know, someone coming to let them know you messed up on such and such and such. And then 
it, you all are finding out that that information was not passed on. I would just go with questions. Uh, it seems that the job that we did, uh, we were reported or informed that we didn't do this correct or we didn't do this correct. And it turned out that there was additional information that was just not passed on. This is something we've talked about a lot as well in terms of non-white people not getting adequate training. If that's what it is, what can we do to make sure that we have all of the pertinent information and have it in a timely manner? Is this an email thing uh, where if information is going to one person and it's not going to these other 10 people, can we also be included in the email? That, not, that way it's not dependent on this one person transferring the information if it's not email, uh, if can we set up a time where everybody is present, where we can get a quick five minutes. Uh, this is the new updates or what have you that have come down uh, for the past week or month or whatever it is. Uh, do I need to ask? Do we need to start at the start of each week or at the start of each day? Do we need to inquire about updates? If that's what it is, I would find out where is the where is the dam in the information transfer in terms of whatever knowledge is coming down that we're supposed to get, where is it stopping where we're not getting the info? If it's stopping at this black person, I would be going to ask questions uh, and to see what we can do to make sure that we get the information. And if it seems like he's not being as helpful, if you said he's going and reporting this to his managers or what have you, when they let you know that there's a problem, well then, hey, let's work on getting this solved because it seems like this might be a communication uh, breakdown. What can we do to improve communication to make sure Everybody has the detail. And that way, it's not even presenting it as this black person should be fired. We're not even going at it and saying he's messing up. He's not giving us the information. It just seems that we're not getting details we need to, to complete this job. That's one way I think that that could be dealt with. And I think we've we've had this sort of issue before where the non-white people, like I said, are not getting trained or are somehow not getting info. And then they get blamed for it when it's, you know, with uh, constructive info being withheld. Uh, do we have any any other suggestions on how you would deal with this situation? Non-white manager withholding info from black workers and then they get blamed for it. Um, I just have one thing to say. I was wondering for the mail caller, is there any way to get the information another way, like through like your job's intranet or a portal, um, some other means like that? I know like at some jobs, um, like in the past that I've had, they would have like large group um, email, like large uh, email groups where it might not only go to your supervisor, but it would go to like a whole area if it is something important to that particular production area. Um, maybe that could be worth um, inquiring about. If not, then um, I, I definitely agree with Gus, just, you know, maybe asking, you know, direct questions to, and still being courteous, but asking direct questions to the supervisor if you're comfortable with that, um, not, and maybe not necessarily going over their head, and also, if you do have an HR department, maybe inquire with them, well, how would you go about, if you can do it anonymously, how would you go about um, addressing an issue with your supervisor if, when it comes to um, not receiving the information? Because that, that could actually, if you're trying to make that job a career, that can actually mess up your, your future plans to either transfer or get promotions. Um, thank you. And I'll mute my line. Do you, the call you. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, yes. Um, there actually is not a portal uh, where there's like shared information. 
Um, oh, and, and we basically tend to get the information from other managers or others on the job. Um, in addition to that, uh, it would be something as if, you know, sending an email trail, which is something that was attempted before, you know, send an email to and copy the manager and copy whoever else needs to be copied, but the manager will purposely not respond uh, to the emails or act as if, you know, it was something that went unread. Um, uh, and I, I think that that's, uh, that's it. Okay, all right, that's it. Thank you. I would ask that as well. If if, and that that can work for you. I think we talked about that that before. That being one of the benefits of doing emails and asking those type of questions, because then you have an electronic record of them withholding information. You're asking a pertinent job related question, and they don't respond. Uh, if that's the case, then the next question would be, well, on such and such a date, and you can have the pronouns there if you need them. On such and such a date, I emailed you, Ted, to get this pertinent information so that we could get this task finished and I didn't get a response. And for some people, email is not their best method of communication. Do you have a recommendation on, you know, what would be a better way to make sure that we get any pertinent information to get this done? Do we need to check in in person at the beginning of the day? Uh, some, some jobs, I know they have uh, like boards that have information or updates for the day. You can even think of some things to suggest or you can just go in and ask him. If email seems not to be the best way to make sure that we transfer all pertinent info, what would be the best way to resolve this to make sure that there's no bottleneck in info? Everybody has all the details when they need to know them to move forward with the job. And I would even bring that up as well. If this has been a pattern that you've noted where you email and ask for questions and then the person doesn't respond, I would bring that up if other people are coming in to accuse or blame the workers and say, hey, you all messed this up. You didn't do this. And then you found out that you didn't have the information. I would add that as well, that there seems to be some sort of breakdown in communication. We need to make some improvements there because emails are being sent to get details and there's no reply. I don't know, you know, if something can be done about that, but that seems to be a problem as well. And again, you can have the emails right there, date, time. This is who I emailed and I never got a response. Is that the company model that, you know, we don't respond to emails? What can be done to improve this? Thank you. For sure. For sure. Uh, other folks dialed in or folks have suggestions on how to deal with that, the withholding information, or if you have your own situation you want to address, feel free. Mine should be open. Any of the other newer folks that dialed in with a hand up? Do you all have commentary? Just listening? I think Mr. Steele, uh, one of our callers in Florida, y'all just listening. Can I be heard? Yes, sir, Mr. Steele. Um, yeah, uh, I wanted to report, um, something very, um, very unique, um, to me happened, uh, recently. I was, uh, I, I just want to say that I'm reporting from, uh, from Chino Hills, uh, at the moment. And, um, I just wanted to say, uh, something very strange happened to me on, um, at a job interview, I, I was meeting with this, uh, with this company and, uh, the guy that was interviewing me, um, 
I, I, I'll say this. Uh, if there were ever a suspected white supremacist that appeared or that sounded exactly like the, um, I guess, the example white supremacist that Neely Fuller uh, uses, his white supremacist voice, I guess, this would be a, a, uh, a suspected white supremacist that, that fully uh, embodied that statement. Um, just the scowl on his face when he, I guess, realized that I was uh, um, a victim of racism. Um, I just, I couldn't, uh, it, was, it was unavoidable. And his voice, it was, um, it was eerily similar. At one point, you know, he asked me uh, if I had any questions. And then um, I, I asked him, uh, what is the dress code for this office? And he, he looked me dead in my eye and he replied, um, what I'm wearing right now, this is the dress code. <laughs> and, uh, you know, at that moment I was uh, pretty sure, um, yeah, I would not be working in this uh, environment. He did not defer to any sort of code or any sort of... Um, um, guideline or any sort of uh, conventional uh, style guide or anything like that. No, he he just said, "I am the dress code." So you know, I'm, I'm I definitely do not want to work in an environment where the suspected racists are so open with their uh, with their conduct that you know they declare themselves to be the law um, within the um, confines of the workplace. So. Um, you know, that was just something that uh, came up and that was related to um, the previous conversation about uh, dress code. I think um, all the previous comments that were made on the topic, um, they were great. Um, there was a, um, a victim that uh, was having, um, what was one of the questions that uh, came up earlier? Um, it wasn't uh, related to the dress code, but um, if you could draw my memory real quick. <clears throat> Excuse me. One of the questions was, uh, what keeps us from practicing counter-racism in the workplace, applying our code in the workplace? Um, let's see what other questions do we have. About, and uh, then there's another... About oh. being disingenuous uh, in the workplace. Oh, yes. Okay. Um, yeah, that was definitely something I wanted to touch on. Um, if, you know, if you listen to um, uh, some of the logic that's uh, put forth by Neely Fuller, um, I think part of the code he um, uh, identifies is that uh, we should aim to be uh, uh, more courteous than anybody that we deal with. Um, our level of courtesy should uh, see, you know, we should aim to be, you know, as courteous as possible um, with all of the people that we interact with, even. Um, the suspected racist. That isn't to say that, you know, we should um, help them, um, uh, what is that, practice uh, racism, white supremacy, quite the contrary. Um, when you are uh, courteous towards them, that kind of, dis that oftentimes, in my experience, serves to disarm some of the tools that they use to rile us up and to get us off of our, um, off of our uh, ability to control our emotions. And I think uh, just a remaining courteous, you know, saying please, thank you, um, talking uh, when spoken to, uh, 
you know, just uh, a, a friendly uh, hello, uh, good morning, just to uh, ingratiate ourselves uh, while we are on uh, their plantations. Um, I think that can go a long way in just uh, helping you to um, reduce and minimize conflict uh, or unnecessary attention um, when you are uh, on the job. And also, I, I just want to remind uh, previous callers, um, there is a concept of, you know, showing face to some of these events so that you don't, um, again, um, get any sort of unwanted attention from not attending. Um, just have a code, um, you know, stick to 45 minutes to an hour that you are there and present. Um, keep it to the beginning uh, part when people are not uh, so inebriated. And then, you know, politely make your exit. Um, uh, you can be on your phone even, or you can just make the rounds and do your niceties and say hello, 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 just to make sure that everybody um, has seen you and, um, you know, you're seen as a team player. And then, um, you can even see that as part of your job, even though that's not written down. Um, that's just something that uh, you could be expected to do depending on the culture of your workplace. So um, those were just some uh, comments that I, I wanted to uh, make, and uh, I'll go ahead and mute my line at this time. Thank you so much. Appreciate that, Mr. Steele. I forgot what time of year it is. The way I told you we had record heat in Seattle today, 85 degrees uh, Fahrenheit. It was 29 just when we went live, 29 degrees Celsius uh, at the time the broadcast began. But it is autumn. It is almost October. Dr. Kamal Kamban, he says this is the horror season. All of those holidays uh, are about to begin. Certainly need to have a code about all of that. I don't know if you're in one of those office situations where they're going to do uh, Halloween where they're dressing up and all that stuff in a few weeks. And then the big ones with Thanksgiving and Christmas and all the nonsense uh, as we get down to the end of the year. But definitely want to have a code in place uh, because the invitations are start going to begin soon and candy on the desk and all of that. Just have your code together. Again, you don't have to be aloof. You don't have to be nasty. You can even have your code be thinking of it. If they want to ask, what are you going to be doing for the holidays? Are you going to dress up and all of that? You can already be thinking of how you're going to respond, minimize problems, not creating any new problems. Uh, other folks, uh, do we miss anybody? Any folks have hands up that we've not heard from? Have you heard? Yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Greetings to Gus, the host, the listeners and callers. I was thinking about, I think there was a, a question earlier about like when I think you're either, I guess, prompted to talk about the uh, topic of race or racism. And I guess someone goes to, uh, I guess, relate a message to a, um, a powerful white person or just a white person. Uh, the six years I've been on the job, it, it it does seem like every time that comes up, it's almost was completely every time they are the ones who are, who will try to bring it up to me. Like I never really 
been in a situation where, you know, they'll try to, I guess, you know, try and do things to me or whatever. But the like the way that, or the, I guess the form of codification that I would do or use is, I guess I would speak in abstractions or I'll try and say something real concise that'll, I guess, be uh, factual. You know, I'll just say, well, hey, you know, we need to have a conversation or something like that. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, that's something that uh, genuinely, genuinely needs to take place when you have a problem. You know, like, is there a problem? And people, like, their responses will be, yeah, you know, there is a problem. And uh, they'll agree with me and they say, yeah, you know, we should be able to discuss these things. And then some of them say, well, you know, people are just too scared and, you know, see, like, the other day, right, um, speaking about these, uh, I guess, like, these protests, uh, the kneeling down and stuff, like, it it just seemed like, the uh, well, mainly these are white women. They'll just, you know, try and start a, a conversation on that. And then they'll get into talking about themselves. Like, they, this is the experience that I've had, or that I've had. I don't know if anyone else has had this. Like, they'll get into talking about what they think, you know, and, you know, like every once in a while, let's say, oh, well, you know, like you got these churches with white people in and churches, <laughs> you know, black churches. And they say, yeah, I know you noticed it, then. And I say, yeah, you know, I have noticed that. And, like, you know, they'll just go on and, like, basically give their own views, you know, like, well, you know, I don't know, you know, uh, what your experiences are. You know, I'm different. And, you know, you have your own opinion or whatever. And I'll just, you know, nod. I say, yeah, I understand. And I say, you know, like what I've heard said on here, like, mm-hmm, and stuff like that. Um, and this lady, she was just, I guess she like almost 60 years old or whatever. And she would just, uh, I guess, go on to talk about like how she'll have conversations, I guess, with other, uh, with one other black person. And, um, you know, it just seems like, a lot of the conversations they've come to me wanting to talk about this. And I've usually ended up not really uh, voicing like the way that I truly, I guess, or completely feel about it. I'll just say something that's more like surface and, you know, they've end up saying all type of stuff. Like, um, yeah, like you got all these schools who have students, um, going into their own groups and stuff like that. And then, you know, one guy, he say, well, you know what, what's wrong with that? Like, it, it reminded me of, uh, I think it was one of those old uh, audios that people have heard, I guess, with Mr. Fuller and Dr. Wilson, I guess they had at, um, maybe it was like the Wilson, Wilson Institute or something. And, you know, they was talking about, I guess, like how, you know, they don't want, uh, well, you know, white people don't want their grandchildren to be black or something like that, and they don't want no, you know, no sex action going on. So they want to stay in their own areas and stuff. Like, that's why I think this old guy, he was going at stuff like that, you know. So they'll, they'll tend to get into speaking about things like that, at least in my experience. And uh, so I would recommend just, I guess, asking questions. And that's what worked for me, like, you know, and I pretty much have, um, I guess you can say constructive encounters with 
the white people at my job. So, but um, other than that, I would just talk about work-related things. But, you know, like times like when I'm on lunch break or something, they would mention things like this. And uh, I wanted to also mention one other thing. Like I'm, I'm like one of the only few, I guess, males on the job. And uh, like I've, I've noticed something like, I don't know if it's, I don't know if this has been discussed. Is there like a difference between like when a male is mistreated by a female, then, you know, the opposite, if a male mistreats a female, like the reaction to it, like, I guess you can say like me as a black male, like if I'm mistreated by just a female period, whether she is a uh, white or non-white, it's, <laughs> it seems like uh, the people that, I guess it's because it's female dominated. Uh, they don't seem like they're that concerned. Like they might think like, oh, uh, he's just supposed to just um, uh, quote unquote brush it off or be able to endure, to use a more direct word, to endure the mistreatment or it'll be disguised as jokes or things like that. Um, have, has that ever been discussed on the program, guys? Um, hmm. I'm thinking, I cannot think of anything, I cannot think of any any point where we had a dialogue about that. I don't, in terms of if the mistreatment is coming from a non-white female, I can't speak to that. I do know uh, when I personally was mistreated by white women on the job. And then seeing when any male was accused of mistreating uh, a white woman in particular, it was very different. Uh, And the other situations that I can think of where it was a female on a job who was accused of mistreating another employee, white women, uh, it it was quite different uh, in terms of overall, just if it's a female, white or non-white, and she's mistreating uh, a male person, uh, is that treated differently than a male mistreating a female, uh, white or non-white. I don't know if it's an overall difference or what other people's experience on that is, but I I certainly know if it's a white woman in the equation, absolutely massive difference. Uh, Other folks have, I guess, they have an observation or thoughts on that. Is there a difference in in how the person is treated? May I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Um, I did actually want to say that I do see a um, a difference, um, but my but the difference that I've seen was more along the lines of if a female is is like flirting with a male, the male should be flattered, um, rather than if it's a male kind of flirting with a female, um, and if it's I I guess. I, um, on more, like, um, on more than one occasion, then it can kind of be, uh, viewed as like harassment. So I, I definitely see that. And I, and I kind of feel like it seems like that's going against the whole, um, equal rights type of thing that white women like to, um, speak about if a a white, a, a, a woman or a female should not be able to harass a man just how a man should not be able to harass a, a woman. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to uh, add that. Thank you. 
I've seen that as well. The harassment where white women in particular, uh, where they can go out and harass males, even white males, uh, where they can do that and it is not taken as a serious issue. We don't need to have uh, any refreshers on our sexual harassment policy. Like this is all just uh, giggles. Uh, Whereas if it's the other way around, totally different situation, especially if it's a black male accused of mistreating sexually a white woman. Uh, Did other folks have observations on this? Is there a difference uh, in the workplace and and how these allegations or allegations of mistreatment are handled? Folks are still spectating, I see. The caller in Florida. Oh, yes, ma'am. I'm sorry, I, that made me think about something. Um, there was a, a few uh, workplace races, I think it was probably like a, a couple of weeks ago when a, a male, I think it was a black male, he worked in a shoe store and he was kind of getting um, harassed by a white woman. Right. He was asking for tips. And I know one of the tips that he didn't get because it just by this question, um, it made me think of it. Um, I, I think that in maybe in this situation, because it kind of seems like he would be dealing with something like this, to if he has to uh, encounter that that white woman again who was saying the whole 69 uh, comments and, you know, kind of showing, trying to show off herself as she was, quote, unquote, trying on shoes, um, I would just suggest to either take someone else, try to see if someone else could be there with him or actually, you know, just pass that, you know, I guess sale if he does make commission or whatever, pass that off, try to pass it off to someone else. Um, so that way, you know, because it seems like, it might like if he were to, you know, bring it up to a, um, a, you know, a higher up, this might be the same instance where, okay, well, it's, you should be flattered that this woman is trying to um, sexually sour, sewer you or whatever. Um, but that's all I wanted to say. Thank you. Good suggestion. Hope, uh, hope you heard that. I do remember that uh, caller who was talking about that uh, sexual terrorist from some patron at the at the store or retailer where he works at. Uh, be, any other, or I guess I did not hear any other observations about if there's a difference in treatment in the workplace. The caller in Florida, did you notice something that sparked you your query uh, about that? If we talked about that before, did you have you made any observations in your workplace? Well, I think like I would, I started to notice it, um, like with the type of job that I do, like I'm pretty much moving around the building and I go like pretty much on all of the different floors. So I'm in contact with just about uh, everyone. And it is definitely overwhelmingly, uh, uh, female, I would say like maybe 95% female. And, like, the things that I know that they'll say, like, toward me, I guess, you know, somebody might say it's, like, complimentary, but I know, like, I cannot say it in reverse, like, or toward them. Um, Like, I guess, you know, like how I shared before, the lady saying that, you know, you look good in this color blue or whatever. And, you know, there have been females you know, ladies that agreed with me, I say, yeah, you wouldn't, <laughs> you wouldn't have been able to say that same thing, you know, and, you know, they'll, you know, they'll agree with me. Or if it's something like, like there was a, a non-white female that, uh, I guess you can say it was like a, a sexual type of insult. 
this was a, a little while ago, she said that um, somebody's birthday was on Monday, and, and she asked me, was I going to wear my, was I going to wear a dress or something like that? And this was a non-white person. So I just simply said no, and, you know, uh, I had um, proceeded to walk out the door, you know. So, you know, of course, this is a, a victim of racism. But like I said before, like if I were to have said that to her or something like that, it's like as the word uh, sexual harassment was used, I think she could easily say that's toward me. Or if no one has seen me do anything, you know, uh, I have dark skin and I'm tall and people, hey, immediately go to that. And I work in a courthouse, so that's automatically, hey, you know, you, this is a, a person who's trying to, uh, do harm to this to this uh, female, um, and I agree that it's definitely the, uh, the the white woman who has that power the most. Um, you know, they'll say, you know, like I said before, like, hey, you know, hey, good looking or something like that, and it it, it just does seem to have a different uh, play out or dynamic that's there, and but for the most part, the people are, I guess constructively receptive to me and like, you know, my character, um, things like that. But, you know, I, I feel as though some feel like, I guess, like they just deserve my attention. And if I just keep it just on a professional, uh, morning or something like that, and if it doesn't, uh, exceed beyond that, um, you know, I guess they may not, I guess, uh, say nothing to me or, try to do things around me to get me to speak to them, you know, stuff like that. Like, it seems like it'll go into all of those uh, different type of uh, behaviors. So that's like, that's some of the things that I've noticed. Interesting. Yeah. I would tend to that very much seems in line with my workplace history and, observations i think we've done whole programs about the leniency that white women have in the workplace although i don't remember if that went to punishment per se into or not punishment necessarily but uh just in terms of how people are perceived when there is potential mistreatment happening in the workplace if that mistreatment is coming from a female as opposed to a male against a male as opposed to a female <clears throat> but uh yeah that that is very much in line with what i've seen uh, in terms of white women as perpetrators, uh, they can get away with pretty much anything uh, in the workplace. And, you know, it's it's just all giggles and, oh, isn't that funny? Uh, and then the other way around, uh, you could not, half of the things that they're able to say uh, and or do, you could not possibly get away with that uh, with a white woman, the comments, you know, that were made to you. And I'm, it's a litany of things just uh, reflecting back on uh, my workplace uh, experience where it's just, it's no way uh, the things that I saw uh, white women uh, doing sometimes things that were even done under the guise of a joke uh, that they were being funny and oh man, like smacking people on the bottom and oh man, just all kinds of, all kinds of things uh, that I've seen where it would not, it would have been a lawsuit police might have been called, all kinds of things because they did it and it was all giggles. I don't in my experience, it does not, the way that white women function on the job, black females are not able to function that way. Non-white females aren't afforded those same <clears throat> uh, type of, I don't even, authority, power, 
impunity uh, from punishment or what have you. I have not seen that, but with white women, oh man, it's it is it is extraordinary and dangerous, extraordinary and dangerous uh, the way that they're able to uh, function in the workplace, and it can it can be both at the same time where they're the perpetrator, because I think I've seen that as well, where they're the perpetrator. Then when something gets raised about that, they become the victim as well. That, oh man, I've been maligned in the tear that extremely dangerous. Uh, I can just leave it there. If other folks have observations, that's fine as well. Uh, any, anybody else comment or observation uh, on this subject? one folks can think on uh, for the next week if they've seen any sorts of uh, differences along those lines. Uh, any other comments folks wanted to make sure they got in? Uh, we would do our three hours, but folks are, uh, I'm not sure if, if they have other plans, if it was super warm in other places uh, where people were so stunned with the beautiful weather, they wanted to be doing other things and not talking about workplace racism, but did folks have other commentary they wanted to make sure they get in? Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Hi, this is um, Damien. <laughs> I had uh, two things that came to mind. Um, the um, female caller from New York, um, uh, observation that I've had is that there are um, two particular uh, white people who I work with who are extremely overweight, um, but not just that, they have a really offensive odor really offensive voters. And um, I've just observed how um, none of the white people in the group seem, seem to be aware of it. I mean, they have to smell it because it's, it's really strong um, to the point, like, when they walk past, like, I literally hold my breath because it's that much of an offense to me. Um, we're supposed to be moving soon. Um, to different departments, and I'm hoping to be, you know, not located near these two. Um, but I guess I'm just curious as to should I even, I mean, I guess if it gets too bad, I would definitely feel the need to say something about it. Um, but just the fact that they are continually allowed to come to work with this offensive odor um, and nothing is said and, you know, everybody just goes about as if they can't smell it, and I don't see how that's possible. Um, because it's very, very strong. Um, and one more um, observation, this came to mind. Um, I actually overheard a white man, an older white man, who had been um, involved with a business for years. Um, I just happened to overhear this conversation. Um, he was kind of concerned about his position with the changes that were happening. And I can tell he's insecure about it, and he's just trying to fill it out and see where where he, um, where, what is it going to be for him? Because he's not sure. Um, but you can tell that he's very comfortable in the position that he's had. He, you know, he's kind of, you know, he's senior white, which is, you know, even better. Um, he has a lot of perks because of that. Um, he even made a comment one time of saying that, you know, just talking in a dialogue that he was uh, special. I mean, it just came out, and he's so um, entrenched with that, it just kind of oozes out of him. Um, but he mentioned, and I, I know this is more of a concern for him, that he has worked for companies that when they want to get rid of somebody uh, without firing, if there's some kind of um, 
you know, they have to be careful not to fire people uh, for a certain reason um, because maybe they know that the people will have some kind of justification in uh, retaliating against that. He said that he, he specifically said that he knows that there are executed strategies where they will do everything in their power. Like they literally plot this, they strategize it, they execute, they talk about, they've discussed it. They will do everything in their power to make that person uncomfortable and basically get that person to quit. And it's not, it's not just a, a, you know, a oops or a, you know, just a, I really don't like this person, so I'm going to exude this energy. They literally talked about it and planned it and strategized it and executed it to get somebody to quit. And, you know, that's, it just came back to mind listening um, to that conversation that he was just so emboldened and so comfortable that he actually just said that. Um, but I don't think he was aware of what he was revealing. And hmm. with that, I mute my line. Hmm. I get, with your situation, uh, if I, I'm not sure if this is something that's like an immediate, you know, let's get this addressed tomorrow or Monday, or if this is you're trying to wait and see since you all are going to move and if this will just all be a moot point eventually because they, you might be in a different part of the building, the new building, uh, than these two offensive uh, co-workers that you're with, white co-workers that you're with. Um, I would bring it up uh, if if it's something that you want to address before the move to see if you can maybe get remedied whatever remaining time you have left at the current spot. Um, I would just bring it up because this is one that doesn't have anything to do with racism uh, that can be brought up. This should be substantially easier to handle, uh, in my view, uh, where you should be able to just go to your manager or even uh, human resources. And you could just ask them like, what, what's our procedure? How do we deal with uh, some uh, worker, an employee who has a hygiene problem that is, you know, bothering other people who work here. I think most workplaces, they have something about that, you know, in their policy and procedure, or you can even check the policy and procedure yourself and see if they have something about uh, hygiene uh, in the manual. Uh, and then you can just bring it up there. And it uh, same thing. And this, again, in my view, makes it easier. It doesn't have to be brought up as, you know, I want these winches fired uh, today. It could just be brought up that, yeah, you know, this is offensive. It's impacting the workplace. And uh, yeah, just what, what can be done to, uh, to get this remedied? Some people, I mean, whatever, they can handle that. That's a conversation you shouldn't even have to participate. That's something they can dole off on the HR people or the supervisor. They can call a private meeting and get that remedied. I do also think that this goes back to our earlier point about about uh, wardrobe, uh, where black people, again, <laughs> I cannot imagine uh, black people being allowed to be on a job and have poor hygiene or wear the same clothes or whatever it is, and white people just have nothing to say about that and no big deal. Uh, just that is another way uh, racism, white supremacy is manifested uh, in workplace situations. But that's what that's what I would do. And I guess the, to, to the last point that you brought up in terms of uh, maybe you can think about that if you all move to the new spot and they locate these two uh, stinky white chicks next to you. Maybe this is being done purposely to, you know, mess with you or, or to uh, make you uncomfortable uh, <laughs> as, as relates to the strategy that you overheard. But uh, yeah, I would just bring it up with human resources or whatever that uh, it's a problem. I would check the manual because you might be able to use their exact terminology uh, about this and let them handle it. Uh, any other comments? Folks wanted to make sure they get in. Anything else?
folks satisfied? Nothing else they wanted to make sure they got in? I will hope everybody. Oh, yes, sir. Uh, just uh, really quick. Um, there was a, a customer that came in, and uh, I guess he would be like uh, non-black or, you know, non-white, um, or what they call uh, Indian. Like the white female, she was uh, talking to another white female about, I guess, the customer. He was asking a bunch of, I guess, legal type questions. And the policy states that we aren't supposed to disclose any legal advice because that could come back to us in some type of way. Um, and the person was trying to look up liens or debts in his name on his property. And uh, so, you know, they were talking about it. So she asked, was his last name Patel? Because that's like, I guess, a, a, a common name, last name for Indian people or whatever, non-white people. So the lady, the other lady says, uh, say, oh, no, it's something else. So <laughs> this uh, white person, she says, oh, well, you know, he, he looked like he could have been a Patel, like P-A-T-E-L. So. Um, you know, whatever that meant. Uh, so, like, just stuff like that. Like, I try to make sure, like, I, you know, write that stuff down, you know, whenever they say it. And, you know, when they say it, I make sure that I don't respond. I want to look at what theirs is. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I want to know what their response is going to be. And most of the time, it's, you know, they'll usually just be quiet like they ain't said it. So, <laughs> It's like they try and look my way to see if I'm going to react first. Uh, just like that one that I shared before about, like, the, the lady came out of the office and we were by the time clock. So she said, man, like, these foreigners, you know, that's the term she used. These foreigners, like, they was really just getting on my nerves. So, like, it's like they just, once again, they, they looked at the see what my response was going to be. Then when it was an empty response, they couldn't read me. Um, you know, the two white people started trying to see if they can just move away from what was just said, you know, and try and backtrack and, uh, you know, to move along or whatever. Uh, so, you know, she became unrefined for a little bit. And that's like, that's what I wanted to share. And the whole, like one last thing about that last comment about, when she was talking about my shirt, like you can tell that she knew that she has a lot of power. Like she looks over to the black female and another white female. And then she said it again, like, uh, you know, doesn't blank look good in that shirt. <laughs> and it's like, you know, the response they gave, it was real forced. Like, Oh, Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, like, uh, I guess you can say, um, justifiable, just fear, you know, in some kind of way. Uh, yeah, she was, she, she knew what she was doing with that comment. And this is clothing related because she was talking about it, that experiment. And on that letter, when I read it, it did say, feel free to come and ask. It had that in parentheses. It says like, um, given that I did this social experiment and then it says, feel free to come ask if you like. So if that was, if she broadcasted that and 
the newsletter, she's inviting anyone in the workplace to come ask her questions about it. Like, I feel as though maybe that could be a potential setup for somebody to see if she could do it that way to uh, see if, if someone wasn't doing any gossip. Maybe she can get someone um, using that method. Like, do you get one getting that with that one? Listen, you said, I know with the experiment, it seemed like there was maybe some means to get people gossiping about her to maybe get them in trouble while she was doing the experiment. You think also with the debrief that that might be a means uh, to get people to come and ask questions about it to, to catch them some way. Yes, sir. That's, that's like, I was thinking about that the past couple of days because it still seemed like she was trying to scheme with it, like trying to be very uh, conniving with it again. Like she's saying that it ended, but it could be some form of double speak. To say that, uh, you know, it's still going on. You can come ask me about it. And she want to try and go another way with it by mentioning either my attire or someone else's because I don't see her complimenting anybody else, at least not in my presence. Uh, so she, you know, said that toward me. And I haven't really spoken to her very much this week, but, you know, she pretty much over the whole area on the other side of the building. So um, she definitely like throwing her power around. So that's why I had used that metaphor, the warden. So uh, there was a, a black female. She said, "Hey, you be <laughs> so you be careful with that one," you know. And I said, "I agree." Hmm. Wow. Uh, I would be. I mean, just the fact alone that she's conducting experiments in the workplace is more than enough reason to be extremely cautious uh, with anything, any project that she's going to be involved in. Uh, if if it's still going on or whatever it is, uh, it, any any suspicion uh, is warranted and logical with this situation because that's just. Uh, I mean, for for all the talks that we've had about racism, workplace racism, I certainly cannot think of anything even closely resembling that where someone is carrying out an experiment in the workplace on other employees uh, and might even be looking to as a part of the experiment to get them to gossip so that they can get in trouble uh, with this experiment. That's just wow. Uh, the manipulation of white women. Uh, I would continue to be cautious uh, in dealing with that one in any way, shape, form. Uh, and certainly she also is not ignorant about her power as a race soldier, white woman, uh, just like the white chick that came out and made the comment about your shirt uh, and then said it again publicly and, you know, made everybody else co-sign uh, on her comment. White people are not ignorant uh, about racism. You cannot be. Uh, any other comments folks want to make sure they get in? Anything else? I'll assume folks uh, are satisfied. Uh, again, if you are doing well. You're not having any of these issues. The white people on your job are not conducting experiments on you. You're not being harassed. White women are not subjecting you to unwanted touching. White men are not subjecting you to unwanted touching uh, and questions about your political leanings. Great. Uh, I hope it continues. Uh, take notes so that you can share and let us know how you got in that position. Uh, if you are having difficulties, feel free. Drop us an email and we can share your comments uh, next week. This is every Thursday. Workplace Racism, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Uh, much obliged to all the folks who participated. I hope it was a constructive investment of your Thursday evening. I guess for Stacy, your Friday morning. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. 
France Fanon, The Wretched of the Earth, second to last study session, almost done, get to move on to a new book, thank goodness. Uh, we'll be here uh, on Saturday for the compensatory call in, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. With that, uh, I will again encourage sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy. We already have enough problems. Race soldiers, they really take advantage and exploit us when we are not able to think in a coherent manner because we are intoxicated. And there's a lot of evidence that that has been true for years, centuries even. I think Dr. Welsing and many of the other folks that we laud black people, uh, I think many of them would strongly recommend, yes, let's do all that we can to preserve our brain functioning, our brain computer so that we can think and think, uh, crank out solutions uh, to deal with the problems facing black people. Uh, and I think it would put us in a much better position and taking away one of the weapons that whites have shown themselves to be able to use in a superb and devastating manner uh, against black people, all of their toxins and poisons. People talking about what's going on down in Houston right now with Hurricane Harvey and all the chemicals and pollutants uh, that the residents are having to endure, which is true. But we should have the same thought process about alcohol tobacco, cigarettes, all the other toxins that they dump on us. We should have the same mentality. That is poison too, and we don't need that either. And if you're going to be in a vehicle, you certainly want to be sober and you want to buckle up. Driver or pedestrian, do everything we can to minimize contact with race soldiers. That's it. Creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people victims of white supremacy we ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times in all places each and every time we are in contact with another black person it has been time replace white supremacy with justice immediately cow signing out thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, no brother. Problem. You're a victim. Right. I'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm-hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. Ah. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.